podcast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Now, as listeners to After the Paracast will testify, even though Chris O'Brien is really a nice guy, sometimes he is abused in such a way that he has to act. So he got so sick of his television and the stations and content he was getting from Dish Network that he threw out the satellite dish, right? Yeah, with prejudice. Extreme prejudice because he had to pay for it. Actually, I don't think they charge you for the dish. They charge you for the set-top box. Yeah, which they did. So you threw out the set-top box too? Correct, the receiver. The dish, uh, they just took off my roof. Oh, was it worth it? You know, I kind of yeah, feel something. Yeah, it was. I got, I got uh, almost a weird sort of sexual pleasure from it. I just, it, it just made me titterpated all over, seeing that thing fly through the air and land on the rocks. It, it, I'd do it again in a heartbeat. Well, you're not quite as bad as Elvis Presley in the old days when he didn't like something on TV. He took out his forty-five pistol and he shot the TV. No, I, I don't. I, I, I don't discharge firearms uh, nilly-willy. Well, I hope Nilly knows that. <laughs> well, Will, Willie does. I don't know about Nilly, but Willie does. So anyway, if you want to find out what that was all about, you have to listen to After the Powercast. And if you want to know how to get a copy, it's very simple. You go to plus.thepowercast.com, P-L-U-S dot thepowercast.com. You sign up for The Powercast Plus. That's our premium package. It includes the After the Powercast podcast which is a tongue twister to say, as you might imagine. Also, you get the ad-free version of this show, the Paracast, in a higher resolution copy. And that works out really well because sometimes we talk to a guest and a lot of people these days, and I know some of you fit into that category, have decided that their mobile phones must be their landline phones. Chris uses an iPhone. He doesn't have a landline phone. And sometimes the connection is great because an iPhone has good audio. And sometimes AT&T conspires to deliver really bad audio. <laughs> it's because AT&T does not like the paranormal. Or no coverage. That's that's my main complaint with AT&T. Out here, Verizon is the uh, the go-to service, and AT&T is more of a kind of an urban center coverage. They don't really have you know a wide range of, of service out in the hinterlands. Well, when it comes time to have paid off these devices... Maybe I'll switch to Verizon. I don't know. I had some encounters with Verizon support that were worse than AT&T. Now, I'm going to tell people something here that Chris does not know. I'm going to give you a surprise, okay? As you know, most of the time we've had our sites online, we've been hosted by a Linux server, okay? Actually, if you want to know specifically, they're either made by HP or a company called Supermicro. Now, we're doing an experiment today with all our websites, and Chris doesn't know this yet, but now he will be told. Okay? When we get these Xeon servers, they're powerful. They've got, you know, six cores, 12 cores, really powerful boxes. And I was talking with a guy from a company called MacStadium.com. And he said, you can get pretty good performance if you put all your sites on a tiny Mac Mini, which weighs, what, about two pounds? Wow. So he took a Mac Mini with a four-core processor. This is getting technical, folks. A big solid-state drive. And we moved all our sites to it. And I bet you can't tell the difference. No, sounds, uh, you know, business as usual to me. Hosted on a Mac. And the reason we mention that is because I have that other radio show called The Tech Night Out Live. And we show some favoritism towards Apple gear, as does Chris. Yeah, oh yeah. 
I'm an absolute convert, and there is no substitute. It just works. In fact, what surprises me is that all the simultaneous users we have downloading an episode of the PowerCast on a Sunday, that thing doesn't even break a sweat. It's a tiny little box. Take a look at what a mm-hmm. Mac Mini is. It's a cheap computer. It's very small. It's a couple inches tall. Very tiny computer. Shows you what happens. And next year, maybe we'll do it on an iWatch, or which is now called the Apple Watch. I'm kidding, folks, all right? But I have to say here that I'm just thinking here, as I edited the episode that we did with Greg Bishop, how so many people in the UFO field are really living in a forest and not seeing the trees, where they're looking at the field with tunnel vision. And maybe that's why a lot of people think it's toxic. There are so many fascinating ideas as to what is going on, why it's going on, how we fit into the picture. And when we get people like a Greg Bishop, who is not afraid to think about any possibility and look at things in a realistic way and present the stuff that really is compelling. And I just love it when it comes on. And I was looking at our schedule, and it's like two and a half years between his last two appearances back in 2012 and again on the 18th of January. And we have to bring him on far more regularly, Chris. I agree. I Like I said, I, I really enjoy um, having Greg on. He's one of my favorite guests. And his show is my favorite show to be a guest on. Right, because he's not just going to ask you routine questions. He's going to sit there and send your mind off into new directions you haven't considered. And we need so much more of that. I know in the old days, back in the 60s and 70s, I get together with my friends in the UFO field, and we'd start speculating. And these included people like Alan Greenfield, even Jim Mosley would get involved in this picture. And we talk about possibilities that really didn't get taken seriously by the public because everybody's talking about UFOs as if they are spaceships. We know they're spaceships. We know the aliens are here. Depending on your point of view, they are either here to help us or they are here to harm us. And our universe is so much more complicated than that. It's like human relationships. They're very complicated. Well, just think of the family I live in. Now, my political viewpoints are all over the place. My wife watches Fox News. And she's a wonderful woman. She's funny. She's pretty. She's talented. She's a great singer, by the way. One day you ought to just get together with your keyboard and have her sing you a couple of tunes. And she's really good. I think we came really close to her getting a position in the entertainment industry. And then, of course, Grayson came along and we had priorities. Hey, let's look at what we have today, because we have a really fascinating episode by somebody that I gather you've probably known for a while, and I don't know him at all, but I was looking at his bio. And it's really interesting. This guy has really done it all in terms of UFO research. And he's got a really fascinating book. Tell us about David Marler. Well, I think I met David in, back in 1998 at the Show Me Conference uh, in uh, St. Charles, Missouri. And he was, I think he spent quite a bit of time in kind of Western Illinois and was involved with uh, a lot of the Missouri MUFON folks. And although I, I, I really haven't uh, met him or talked to him since, I happened to be speaking with Ray Stanford. Of course, uh, many of our listeners know about Ray and his his very secretive work that he's been doing for quite a number of years. 
analyzing his uh, UFO films that range all the way back to the uh, 50s. And Ray mentioned uh, a book called Triangular UFOs, an Estimate of the Situation. And he was urging me to pick up a copy of it and get myself up to speed on David Marler's work. And uh, come to find out, Ray Stanford, of all people, who really doesn't like much of anything in the field of ufology, went to Amazon and gave him a five-star review. And coming from Ray, I mean, that that to me is one of the ultimate <laughs> endorsements of uh, someone's work, because there's very, very few people in the field that Ray uh, you know, we'll, we'll speak even positively about, let alone, um, you know, urge you to check into their work. And there are a number of people and, but, uh, they're very few and far between. And David Marler is one of them. So, you know, I thought, what the heck I might, uh, I might uh, give it a shot and see if we can get David on the show. And we have uh, been able to land him. He's also, uh, spoke with George Wingfield, who is, a um, kind of a shadowy, person that's been uh, lurking about the field for uh, about 30 years. So I, you know, again, it's, it's with pleasure that we get David Marler on and I'm really looking forward to speaking with him about his work. And don't forget to visit plus.theparacast.com plus.theparacast.com to learn more about the Paracast Plus. David Marler is coming up with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTOWL for a special discount. Hi, John Hubner from Midas Resources. Are you tired of watching your hard-earned assets dwindle away? As government spending is out of hand and the Federal Reserve is creating in excess of $20 billion a week, are you tired of stockbrokers gambling away your hard-earned money? Is this market a setup for a crash greater than 1987? Too many of today's policies resemble those that led to the collapse of 1929. This is John Hubner, and that was me in 2007. And we all know what happened when the subprime credit bubble burst. By March 2009, the dollar lost 50% of its value. The entire U.S. banking system was on the verge of collapsing. Like all financial problems of the past, is history about to repeat itself? Call me, John Hubner, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 129, before it's too late to protect yourself. Will the oncoming catastrophe take all private IRAs, 401ks with it? There is a way to protect your hard-earned assets. Call me, John Hubner, at 1-800-686-2237. 
Hi, this is Steve Sanchez, and based on a recent study, it was found that 57 million Americans had legal issues over the last 12 months, but only 60% of those studied sought out the services of a lawyer. Why? In a nutshell, affordability. Well, my friends at Legal Shield have created a solution that can help you not if, but when you need an attorney. For as little as $17 per month, Legal Shield will provide you unlimited access to qualified attorneys at an accomplished law firm for advice and counsel on legal issues no matter how serious or trivial. For over 40 years and with 1.4 million families across North America, Legal Shield can help you, the loyal GCN listener. Representatives are standing by now to answer your questions, so call them now at 1-855-340-SAVE. That's 1-855-340-7283 or visit them at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Results will vary from case to case. On Facebook, on the news, and in conversations with friends, we're bombarded every day with advice on how to be healthier, from gluten-free and non-GMO diets to how much exercise and sleep the body needs. But how much have you heard about alkalizing the body? AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops are a holistic and natural way to get your body's pH levels back in balance. Just a few drops in water will help your body rid itself of harmful waste. And even the healthiest of diets can be complemented with your daily use of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops. Who isn't looking for more vibrance, vigor, and energy? Now buy two bottles of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops and get $10 off your order. Visit AlkaVision.com or call 800-518-7615. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops are packed with a powerful combination of the most alkaline minerals and compounds. Open the door to greater health, vitality, and zest for life. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health. Call 800-518-7615 or head to AlkaVision.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. On the Paracast this week, we welcome to the show David Marler. He's author of Triangular UFOs, An Estimate of the Situation. The book came out about a year and a half ago, and I notice and I marvel when I look over at the reviews at Amazon that most of those reviews are five-star and four-star reviews. The heavy number of reviews, including one from Ray Stanford, by the way, are five stars. There's only one two-star review, only eight three-star reviews. Now, we know reviews are polarizing. So when somebody gets that percentage of favorable reviews... They clearly have done something right. Do you pay attention to reviews at all, David? I do. Uh, I try to at least keep my finger on the pulse, so to speak, just to kind of see how the book is being received and how the, the material is being received. And I have to admit, with this being my first book, I was somewhat uh, surprised by that, the reception that it received. I don't think it's so much a reflection on me as a writer so much as I think it was the material that finally, after you know years and decades of having these reports pour in, that finally there was a book written dedicated to this you know, very specific subset of UFO reports, which is really the reason why I wrote it. I, I felt that we really needed to put some laser focus, so to speak, on this subset of reports because they are so prevalent in, in the UFO reporting today. And so many people look at UFOs and they are cigar-shaped, they're disc-shaped. 
So again, to this kind of UFOs, it's really fascinating. And I should point out, I don't know if you've ever visited our forums at forum.theparacast.com. We do have a forum on Black Triangle UFOs. And this was set up like back in 2007 or something. So, you know, this, of course, was somebody who was not predicting the arrival of your book. In fact, just in passing, the person who set it up basically ran out of time and energy and just stopped participating. I don't think it was the presence of triangular UFOs, though. I think it was the presence of real life that that does it. It's, It's difficult to maintain a real life and do UFO research. And for some of us, we don't do it. Now... I'm going to ask you briefly about the MUFON connection, because I guess in recent years, we've had some controversies over MUFON and their approach to different things and their interaction with a certain multimillionaire investor. It didn't turn out so right. What's your take on MUFON today as someone who has been part of the organization? Well, I uh, certainly you know, have had my issues with MUFON over the years. Now, that being said, I'm, I'm still a supporter of their, their research efforts, et cetera. And admittedly, over the last you know, 10, 15, 20 years, there's been a changing of the guard, so to speak. So I, I think to look at MUFON, say, 10 years ago and compare it to MUFON today, it's very different just simply because there's, a, there's been a change in leadership. Uh, Jan Harzan, I'll be meeting with next, next month when I'm out in California speaking to one of the uh, local MUFON groups out there. So I'm looking Looking forward to that to, to understand the vision that he has for move on moving forward. And it's, it's like most organizations, and especially I think we need to emphasize that obviously MUFON is a volunteer organization. So unlike any other volunteer organization, or not unlike any other volunteer organization, you have basically volunteers, you know, willing to spend their free time and their treasury to investigate the UFO subject. And an organization like MUFON has to take those that come along. Uh, that's that sometimes includes the good, bad, and the ugly. Now that being said, you know I would like to emphasize I've been in uh, just very recent communication with several MUFON groups across the country who have reached out because of their influx of triangular UFO reports. Most recently, Florida MUFON I was speaking with just last weekend, and I'll be heading down there to speak as well in the near future. And they're having an influx of triangular UFO reports. So you have very good people and, uh, you know, a good friend of mine, James Clarkson, uh, Washington state director, phenomenal, 35, I believe 30, 35 year veteran of law enforcement. He really is approaching the subject the way that MUFON intended, namely a a conventional approach to an unconventional subject, as I like to call it. And, um, you know, I, I think they're doing a good job with the resources that they have at their disposal. I think that's the best way of putting it. But with Jan now leading the charge, I think we may see some very positive changes. Uh, I met Jan several years ago, and I know his heart's in the right place. And I know that uh, he's really wanting to try to, you know, bring MUFON forward uh, with kind of a 21st century mindset, really trying to give the organization a facelift. Hangar one aside, of course. What was that? I'm sorry. Hangar one, the uh, MUFON uh, sanction show uh, aside. uh, we kind of have had some issues that have been voiced on the show about the um, approach uh, to that particular program, the sensationalizing of non-MUFON files and uh, kind of presenting them as real cases uh, like the Jackie Gleason uh, widow's claim of her ex, uh, her you know, dead husband being taken down to Homestead Air Force Base by Richard Nixon and presented Correct. as a real case. Uh, right. and, and the list goes on and on. Um, exactly. We do take exception to 
the I guess sensationalizing and 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 you know really diving into the entertainment aspect of uh, UFO research when it comes to uh, MUFON's public uh, presence, and uh, we do have some some real issues with that program, which uh, got signed for a new season, which starts I think this coming week. Ah, okay, interesting. Yeah, I'll make well, sure I hide my DVR when that goes on. <laughs> well. And Chris, as, as you and I well know, too, uh, you know, sometimes your involvement in these productions, you really don't know what the final result's going to be. But yeah, and some of those situations where uh, I think we need to delineate stories from cases. And I even mentioned that in my book, you know, there, there's stories and then there's cases. Cases are where you're actually sending investigators out, establishing that, A, this witness does exist. They are who they say they are. And then trying to ascertain, you know, the details and separating the wheat from the chaff. Yeah, the yeah. date, dates, dates, and times are pretty important. I think when it comes to data, and uh, if I, in my database, which is quite extensive for a single geographic region, if I had included every story that Grandma said or some neighbor's <laughs> uh, dog trainer next door, uh, neighbor's cousin said, I'd have a stack probably four feet tall of of hard copies. Uh, as it is, my stack is only about four or five inches tall because I, I require ten points of data. And uh, when cases are presented as cases, when they're actually stories, uh, I think that, that that Jan should crack the whip a little bit with the production company and be a little bit more involved in, in that process. And and I, I'm going to urge him again to to please do that. Well, and Chris, I think you and I are, are in agreement on this uh, from previous discussions. But I, I think step just taking a step back, looking at the UFO community at large, uh, MUFON included. I think that that is one of the fund fundamental problems that we're dealing with with this subject today is the fact that most people do not have a filter system. Most people are not so much researchers or investigators, but a simple clearinghouse of anecdotal reports. Uh, they collect the reports, but they really don't try to parse the data to find, is there some veracity here? Is there some embellishment? Is this person even who they say they are? And unfortunately, with the you know, the internet today, compared to, say, investigations done by APRO and NICAP in, the, say, the 50s, 60s, and even the 70s, you know, now we have reports being submitted by uh, ufobob at yahoo.com. Quite often, uh, there, there's no, uh, you know, vetting process by which, yeah. you know, researchers try to ascertain, okay, is this person who they say they are? We can get into a lot of discussion about some people who misrepresent their credentials, and maybe yes. we will, but we have a lot more to talk about with David sure. Marler, with Gene and Chris, waking up early in the morning to do this. You're in the Paracast. Free from the shackles of corporate America, we're the place for independent thinkers. G-C-N. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the Earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at WebTV.net. Find out 
what they don't want you to know. What good is a Big Berkey water filter? We get that question a lot here at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And in a word, the answer is protection. Protection from water main breaks, E. coli contamination, environmental chemical spills, pesticide runoff, chlorine taste and smell, and all forms of fluoride. Plus, Big Berkey water filters are the original gravity water filter system and most trusted on the market for a reason. Tested by multiple independent NSF EPA certified labs, they are the gold standard in water purification. At only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters Filters can last for five to ten years. That means big savings. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get a Big Berkey today at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit our website or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. The human body is extraordinary. Despite all the stresses we inflict upon it, it still works hard to stay in balance. Thousands upon thousands of people rely upon heart and body extract to help their body stay balanced. This excellent 100% natural herbal formula helps maintain healthy blood pressure levels, cleans arteries, promotes good circulation, balances cholesterol, and more. HB extract paired with healthy lifestyle choices like good nutrition and exercise can give you a life free of pain, sickness, and fear. Recapture your youthful vitality and experience your body healing itself with the aid of HB extract. It's extremely effective and it starts working in just days. Visit hbextract.com to learn more and to read scores of testimonials from satisfied customers. And we've never increased our price in over 10 years. That makes heart and body extract as great a value now as it was the first day we sold it. A healthy heart is a happy heart. Call 866-295-5305 or go to hbextract.com. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional and installation you control what you watch when you watch it record your favorite shows pause and rewind live tv even skip the commercials watch local channels too at just 19.99 what are you waiting for pull out your major credit or debit card call 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV say goodbye to the cable guy cut costs and get more 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Interesting contrast, folks. The previous episode of the Paracast with Greg Bishop was recorded between 9 and 11 p.m. Arizona time. And I, of course, seldom stay up that late. It's like getting back to the old overnight shows just barely. But with David Marler, we got up early on a Sunday morning to do this show, but it's all worth it. David, I was looking into your background. Nothing, you know, really deep and dark, just your bio. 
and it shows here, you know, you never know, of course, you may come up with something, that you receive a certification in hypnotherapy. Yes. Back in the 90s, is it? Yes, I was at the Martin and Johnson Institute of Hypnotherapy that existed at the time in uh, Bridgeton, Missouri. I thought it would be a nice supplement to my uh, degree in psychology that I was working on at the time. Of course, at that time, uh, abduction research was kind of in the forefront in the UFO field. And uh, at that time, I knew John Carpenter uh, in his very early days in Springfield, Missouri, because I was down there quite a bit uh, assisting uh, MUFON groups down there with cattle mutilation and UFO sighting reports. Okay, so having gotten thus involved, how closely did you check out the reports of UFO abductions? We've had a few discussions about in recent weeks, and I want to have your take. Well, I mean, we try to investigate to the best of our abilities. Uh, I very quickly kind of distanced myself from the subject, though, just because of the ethereal nature of it. Uh, I'm more interested in trying to ascertain facts, documented information, physical evidence, and a conversation I was just having with another researcher just yesterday, I was expressing my frustration in the sense that I would have these, you know, quote unquote, abductees calling me all hours of the day and night to update me saying, I think I just had another experience. And in at least two cases, uh, they referenced uh, the possibility of physical evidence. Uh, in one particular instance, they said that there was this unusual fluid in their bed, on their bedspread that was not there before the abduction or purported abduction, but it was there now. Okay, uh, now before you say anything more, I think every listener here is going to listen to that and say, hmm, what does he mean? <laughs> well, I'll leave that up to the uh, the listener's interpretation. But uh, yeah, it sounds, just, sounds a little bit like an incubus or a succubus is uh, <laughs> at work and play or something. Well, I think but, we like the succubus that comes from the TV show Lost Girls. <laughs> Well, regardless of what the nature of that was, uh, of course, as an investigator, my first comment was, well, you know, do you still have the bedspread? Do you still have that? Oh, no, I laundered that the next morning. So here we have the possibility of some type of physical evidence of something, and it was conveniently laundered the next morning. So in other words, there is nothing to back up the story. And there was another instance of a similar nature where there was a purported physical call it evidence, residue, what have you, of an, a purported abduction. And when I inquired as far as obtaining that, uh, they basically said, well, I threw that away. So it was at that point where, again, due to the, the, the time involvement, the fact that, you know, in dealing with these people, there's just a huge time commitment because it's not something that happened, you know, in their minds or in reality, it's something that continues to occur. But, you know, when you have these instances where I'm not interested in chasing stories, I'm interested in chasing fact. And when you have purported physical evidence to substantiate your story, and in at least these two instances, it conveniently disappeared. At that point, I'm ready to distance myself because uh, I'm not interested just in stories. I'm interested in trying to document these purported encounters. Well, that bothers me, too. If this is such an important element in their lives, why do they treat it so casually? Well, that and, and, and one of the other things that I picked up on was the fact that many of these quote unquote abductees claim that they've been abducted. Now, I don't know about you, Gene and Chris, but if a, a human came into my bedroom in the middle of the night and was suddenly standing at the foot of my bed, that would really terrify me. If I suddenly woke up and just saw this figure standing there and I'm talking human now 
if we now interpose a an alien, a gray, you know, the stereotypical gray into that scenario, uh, I don't know about you, but whether it's an alien or a human, I would probably be pretty traumatized after that. And I would have a hard time going to sleep, you know, especially if, you know, going into some of these detailed narratives that are described, I would be heavily traumatized. Yet I was struck by the fact that a lot of these abductees are so casual and blasé about describing their abductions. And as far as I'm concerned, these stories or these these purported abductions are essentially rape. And I've dealt with people, not professionally, but just personally in my in my life that have actually been, unfortunately, through a rape episode. And when you talk to these people, you still see the nonverbal body language. You still yeah. see that anxiety. You still see that post-traumatic stress that manifests itself when they talk about it. And yet you have these, and I don't want to, I hate to paint with a broad brush, but many of these abductees or purported abductees that will get up at a conference and it's almost like a badge of honor. It's almost like they're, they're describing how they won the lottery or they, they, they won a car. There, there's no hallmarks of a traumatic, emotional, invasive experience. Yeah, and, yeah, and that's, that's, you got to have some uh, red flags going up uh, when you hear that. And another thing, you know, somebody pointed out, uh, I think half jokingly to me, how come it's a lot of middle-aged suburban women that uh, tend to be, it seems to be the focus of, uh, of a lot of these abduction accounts. And, and I don't think that again, at using your term, using a broad brush, I don't think that that's completely accurate, but it does kind of make you wonder that, there appears to be obviously uh, an intensely uh, deep-rooted psychological uh, component to this particular mystery that I think is often uh, glossed over and, and overlooked. And I think you're bringing up a very good point here. Well, there was one particular case I investigated in the Midwest. Uh, this goes back at least uh, 10, 15 years now. And uh, there were just... It, just like any investigation that you or I would conduct, you look for uh, inconsistencies in the narrative. And I'll never forget this one particular instance. It was a very, uh, you know, based on my observations, very lonely woman. And she described that she believed she was abducted. Uh, again, I didn't see the hallmarks of any type of traumatic experience as she's describing it. But she she went on to describe the fact that this 30-foot UFO landed outside and uh obviously i wanted to go see where this occurred you know well you know when we're finished talking do you mind if we go outside you can show me she proceeds to take me out the back door and walk to the side of the house and this was in a fairly residential area and uh she said well this is where it's set down now mind you she described a 30-foot uh ufo diameter ufo and the space between the two houses could not have been more than eight feet and the area where she said the, the vegetation was pressed down was just a little uh, flower bed. And it, indeed, there were a few flowers and, and uh, little plants pressed down. But to be honest with you, I noticed there were cats running around. So if anything, it looked like it was where the cat had actually nestled down. But 30-foot diameter UFO squeezing into an 8-foot space between these two buildings. It just simply didn't add up. You know what? The UFO was a TARDIS. <laughs> Oh, you know, but I mean, it's things like this, obviously, anything from a sighting report to a cattle mutilation report to an abduction report that as investigators, we need to weed out. And, you know, unfortunately, as we know, in this field, it's rampant with the, the credulous UFO believer 
that accepts everything. And then we have on the other end of the spectrum, the arch skeptic that refuses to accept or investigate anything. And I think really, you know, where, where the work is being done, where people like ourselves are engaged in this is trying to separate the wheat from the chaff. It's much harder to try to weed out the two versus just arbitrarily accepting or arbitrarily dismissing all of it. Now, some people who have investigated abductions say that this is the result of ET or whatever it is coming here to create a hybrid race. So we have some abductees, women obviously, claiming to have been impregnated, artificially inseminated by these alien beings and maybe to have even seen the spawn of this illicit relationship or whatever it is. And I want to ask you our next segment about that, about the viewpoint that abductions are not only real, and we can get your take as to what's causing it, but are the result of aliens engaging in some kind of genetic experimentation or game. We have David Marler joining Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. UnseenNow.com, proud sponsor of GCN. Unseen Now's unparalleled encryption tools keep your communications secure. GCN. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. If the IRS has garnished your paycheck or seized money from your bank account, you need to get professional tax help now. Fast action is required to put a halt to these aggressive IRS collection tactics. You can count on the knowledgeable team of tax professionals at Wall & Associates. With over 30 years of experience, Wall & Associates has settled the tax problems of thousands of taxpayers for a small fraction of what they owed. For a free face-to-face consultation, call 1-800-425-4610 to put a wall between you and the IRS, 1-800-425-4610, or look for us on the web at wallandassociates.net. We solve tax problems. If you hire Walland Associates today, you'll never have to talk to the IRS again. To stop the levies and seizures today, take action now. Call Walland Associates at 1-800-425-4610. Wall and Associates, 1-800-425-4610. Based on actual cases, results may vary, not a solicitation for legal services.
We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. Hi, my name is Scott Fuchs, teacher and rowing coach for over 14 years. I was sluggish, overweight, on prescription drugs, and only 30-something. Fortunately, I was referred to Dr. Z, and happy to say Dr. Z's all-natural protocols over a consistent course resolved my health issues. I'm in the best shape of my life, and most importantly, on zero medications. I'm Dr. Zdanowski, author of Evology, trained as a primary care physician, surgical manipulation under anesthesia, expert in nutrition, diet, weight loss, immune system, and I specialize in chiropractic. My 15 years of professional experience has taught me the four keys to vibrant health, a balanced muscular skeletal system, an integrated nervous system, a flowing lymphatic system, and a body filled with over 90 essential nutrients. This has been a secret too long. Actualize your potential, reverse disease. Call me, Dr. Z. 201-945-1177, evolveyourself.com. This is Robert Hastings, author of UFOs and Nukes, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. With Gene and Chris and the Paracast, David Marler is here. Let me tell you again, listeners, if you want to know more about our new Paracast Plus subscription service, go to plus.theparacast.com, P-L-U-S dot theparacast.com. For $5 a month, $50 a year, you get a higher resolution copy of the Paracast without the ads and the exclusive after the Paracast podcast. More to come. Plus.theparacast.com. With David Marler, I framed my question at the beginning of the last episode about the fact that we have people like Dr. David Jacobs and the late Bud Hopkins taking abductions very seriously. To them, it's evidence of alien visitation. Dr. Jacobs very much in favor of this hybrid race theory. What's your take about that? And what do you think is causing people to believe they were abducted by aliens? Well, first, let me preface the the fact that I'm not going to sit here and and deny that alien abductions can't exist. I I certainly don't know. Uh, So I'll be the first to say that. And that's quite often my statement with a lot of this uh, UFO-related subject matter, you know, I don't know. So I'm not going to, you know, categorically state that abductions are not occurring. But that being said, I, I think with these claims, we need to have a high degree of evidence to support these these theories and these ideas. In my humble opinion, I, I just don't see enough evidence to support these ideas 
admittedly, the, the information is sketchy at best when, in, in working with abductees and talking with abductees. And again, I, this may not include all of them, but a lot of them will tell you when the abduction experience is occurring, it's like an altered state of consciousness. It almost has a dreamlike quality. Well, you know, if it walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, it probably is a duck. <laughs> so you have to ask yourself, you know, could this be a dream state? Uh, or are these dream states in, in, interspersed with a fantasy-prone personality? My background is actually in sleep medicine. I'm a registered polysomnographic technician. I actually ran sleep studies in St. Louis, and I, and I work for a, uh, an international company that deals in uh, sleep and respiratory medicine. I've worked with a number of narcoleptics. I've actually ran the studies to diagnose, uh, to basically diagnose their, their medical condition in a controlled lab environment. I personally have ran dozens, if not hundreds, of patients who ultimately received the diagnosis of narcolepsy. And they described as I'm watching them, as they're sleeping, as I'm video recording them, as I'm measuring all the physiological parameters, they wake up after I go into the room and they say, I saw a figure standing at the foot of my bed, or I saw lights flying around the room. In, in many cases, sleep paralysis is also uh, an indicator of narcolepsy. And a lot of times they would say, I felt paralyzed. I couldn't move. There was a presence in the room. There was a figure standing at the foot of my bed. So with my knowledge of sleep medicine, I have to look at that as well and say, are some of these people experiencing sleep paralysis? Are they, in fact, having hypnagogic hallucinations? Because I personally, in my own experience, have dealt with these patients, and they have relayed this to me. So I have to be very cautious about these claims. And again, I think it comes back to physical evidence. And I know there have been a lot of reports of fetuses that were later taken. But, you know, again, I think a lot of that can be chalked up to just spontaneous abortion, which is a natural process that occurs. I, I think just like a UFO sighting case, we need to rule out all the prosaic explanations before we're willing to entertain the extraterrestrial or non-worldly non nature of these, these so-called reports. Boy, you're sure preaching to the choir with that one. <laughs> Boy, it sounds it sounds like something that uh, both Gene and I have been saying for quite a number of years now, and and we we absolutely agree with you. Uh, that's not to say that there isn't something at the core of this that's that's very real, very scary. But when people like David Jacobs uh, and others make claims that millions of people are being subjected to alien abduction, millions of people. Uh, it's statements like that 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 just that just makes me squirm because, uh, yeah. like you said, we don't have the evidence to support no. such a you know a fantastic uh, statement like that. No, and Chris, and like you said, I, I'm not here to say alien abductions are not occurring. I can't say that definitively. Like I, I can't sit here and say there is not a god. I mean, <laughs> I can't be that arrogant to to make a, a statement like that. And I will say that I've met Dr. David Jacobs, and I, I enjoy speaking with Dr. Jacobs. And uh, I, one thing that I, I unfortunately I think is eclipsed by his abduction research in later years. He wrote, in my opinion, one of the earliest and most definitive histories of the UFO subject, the UFO controversy in America. Just a, an absolute classic, in my opinion, that was really only eclipsed by the later historical books by Richard Dolan. Right. Yeah, true. It was. Uh, it, it, it's a go-to book. And very well done, too. I mean, the guy's a professor of history, so, you know, he's no slouch when it Not comes all, to the academic yeah. side. When we started subscribing numbers to the degree that you're describing, uh, I, yeah, I think we need to be very cautious about that. And 
I know that we need to be very careful. And let's be honest, in any scientific field or area of inquiry, we need to be very careful about statements that we make. And and I think, yes, when we start extrapolating and saying millions uh, of these experiences are occurring, despite the number of cases that may be on your desk. I, I still think we need to be very cautious because as far as the, the, the so-called alien implants that have been recovered, interesting, but I'm still not convinced. I'm sorry. I don't see anything that suggests advanced technology as a result of these so-called implants. If anything, they're normal prosaic objects that have entered the person's body either due to accident or what have you, that have later become calcified, the body's natural response to trying to basically dispel the foreign object. I I just haven't seen any compelling evidence in the way of these so-called alien implants. Have you seen Daryl Sims' collection? I haven't. I actually met Daryl for the first (laughs) time at the Roswell conference uh, last year, but I'm hoping to reconnect with him and have further discussions. Yeah, he's got quite an interesting assemblage of the purported alien implants. And I'll tell you, boy, with the state of nanotechnology today, it's it's kind of a head scratcher how any of those objects could be construed as some sort of high tech monitoring device or an alien implant. I, I it, the one I could have sworn looked like a, a, the, the smallest size finishing nail. I mean, it was a finishing nail. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it had a little head on it and it had a point, you know, I mean, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, well, again, well, like I, I said, yeah, I, I, I did work with abductees in the early 90s. Like I said, I very quickly shied away from that that area of research. And I know Kathleen Martin, you know, uh, very well, good, uh, a friend of mine, and, and I respect her work. I think she brings a certain level of sobriety to the area of abduction research in the sense that I think she's really trying to do do the investigations, do the research the proper way. Uh, I don't think she's she's necessarily pr- prone to hyperbole, as we were describing with some of the other researchers, uh, as far as you know, trying to subscribe numbers and things like that. But I think Kathleen is, is her heart's in the right place, and I think she's doing good work. Um, and I'm all for investigating uh, these cases. I, I I I don't believe that we should ever approach the UFO subject or any of the facets of the UFO subject, whether it's abductions, cattle mutilations, uh, UFO sightings, etc., from a point of ignorance. I, right. I think we should investigate, but we should also bring a certain modicum of skepticism when we're doing these investigations. Yeah, I think the bar needs to be set uh, at a, uh, I think just generally uh, a higher a higher place. And, but, you know, enough of these uh, abduction uh, cases, and it, it's good to know that someone with your educational background and your work history has uh, become involved in that particular subject. We need more people like you, David, doing that. But what, what we're here to talk about today primarily is this really good book that, that you've written that I, I, I really can't um, recommend to our listeners enough. Uh, this is a, a subset of UFO sightings that uh, you hear about a lot, but there hasn't been this kind of real intensive look at this particular subject and a breakdown of these uh, cases, uh, some very, very compelling, uh, well-documented cases too, I might add. And just you continually hear, you know, this black triangle term bannered about, uh, and it's it's becoming more and more prevalent. Uh, what was your initial 
impulse that uh, w- was it the lack of a book like this that that kind of put you in a place of of wanting to uh, write this and and start researching this subject or uh, was it a particular investigation that you did that really uh, got you going or why don't you give us a sense of how you got uh, this idea in the first place? Before you have that answer, we are going to do our break. Okay. All right. We'll have a short pause, folks, and then he'll answer how he got involved in looking into triangular UFOs. Let me also tell you, we have this free copy of Secrets of the Mysterious Valley by Chris O'Brien to give away. To get your copy, you subscribe to our free weekly newsletter. Go to theparacast.com, theparacast.com. Sign up for the newsletter. It's right there above the fold, the sign-up form. You enter your email address, you get the newsletter, and within a few days, we'll email you a copy of the ebook version of the book. We have David Marler here with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Independently leading the way for the nation. Compelling talk for every political persuasion. We are GCN. Genesis is defined as an origin, creation, or the beginning. Genesis Communications Network began with the mission of providing you with the kind of compelling content you're listening to now. And at GCNlive.com, you'll find a free archive of our nation's history, narrated by GCN hosts, explore, share, and pass down to future generations. GCN is the future of talk radio, but we should always strive to learn from our past. Together, we are GCNlive.com. GCN. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Hey, guess what? They've got some great deals for Valentine's Day at Guns80.com. They're calling it the Sweetheart Special. Guns80.com has lowered the price way down to 400 bucks up until Valentine's Day. Order your Ghost AR-15 now. Tell your sweetheart that this is the right gift at the right time. Buy one for yourself. Buy one for your sweetheart, too. Your sweetheart will thank you for being so tuned into his or her needs. Get a brand new Ghost AR-15 right now for 400 bucks. Heck, buy two. His and hers. Go to guns80.com or call and ask for the sweetheart deal. Love is in the air at guns80.com. Call now, 844-2-GUNS-80. That's 844-248-6780. It's a sweetheart of a deal. Actually, it's a steal at 400 bucks. So call guns80.com at 844-2-GUNS-80. But hurry, supplies are limited. Call 844-2-GUNS-80 or get your Ghost AR-15 today at guns80.com on the Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So now we move into our laser-like focus of triangular UFOs. David Marler? Well, uh, you had asked about where my interest really started with, with regard to the triangular UFO phenomenon. And like many, my attention was first drawn to it during the famous wave of sightings in Belgium from uh, 1989 to 1991. 
And my first exposure was a um, uh, MUFON cover story uh, written by Bob Pratt, the late Bob Pratt. And uh, I found it fascinating for a number of reasons. One, we weren't dealing with uh, reported lights in the sky, which I think, you know, we really need to kind of cleanse the field and, and focus more on these structured objects that are being reported. I mean, there's only so many light in the sky reports that we can deal with. And, and to me, they really amount to nothing. And they have 12 million of them on YouTube if you need to see them. <laughs> exactly. You can spend a lifetime reviewing all these light in the sky videos that have been captured. But what really struck me was the, of course, one, the scale of these objects. They were reported very low altitude, very large in size. We're not talking the little uh, classic 30-foot diameter flying saucer, flying disc. Second, the fact that the Belgian military was taking it quite seriously, not only taking it seriously, but being vocal, holding a press conference to discuss the incidents and the uh, subsequent F-16 radar tracking that occurred later during that wave. I found that particularly interesting, especially when you compare that to the uh, United States Air Force's position, where they really don't ever want to even acknowledge or talk about it and always give you the blanket excuse that they stopped investigating in December 69 with the termination of Project Blue Book. So this was a departure in, in the field of ufology. Of course, after the Belgian wave, then we started receiving additional reports in other countries. But as I state in the book, my interest went from academic to personal. On January 5th, 2000, we just had the, the 15th anniversary here recently, uh, we had this famous uh, wave of sightings by various police officers in southern Illinois. And at the time, I was living in southern Illinois, about 15, 20 miles from where all these sightings occurred. At the time, I was the Illinois MUFON state director, and I was the closest investigator, so I interviewed these police officers. And as I was sitting in the various police departments, sitting across the desk from these officers, asking them my standard series of questions, I found it very strange that as they're describing their sighting, I'm reflecting back on the testimony that I was familiar with of these gendarmes in Belgium 10 years prior. You could almost take the beginning of one sentence from the gendarme and marry it with the statement of these Illinois police officers the shape of the object in many cases, the size of the object in many cases, the flight dynamics and lighting characteristics were eerily similar to what I was familiar with in Belgium. And so I began to think that's where the wheels really started turning after I concluded my investigation into that case, that if there are parallels between these cases, are there parallels with cases in the literature, in the data? And over the next several years, began an exhaustive uh, examination of books, journals, newsletters, newspaper archives. And, and during the same time period, I was amassing a very large private UFO library. And so I had at my disposal many rare news clippings and many rare reports that weren't necessarily out there on the internet for all to see. At the same time, as I'm putting together this information, and by the way, I did find that there was a rich history, as outlined in the book, of these cases, I was also finding statements Uh, that were very prevalent on the internet. Uh, Armchair researchers saying, well, this triangular phenomenon is something new, therefore it must be military. Well, we didn't hear about these triangles until the 1980s. And Jeeve and Chris, I'm sitting there as I'm reading these articles uh, or postings on the internet, I'm looking at a wealth of newspaper articles right in front of me, going back to 1960s, going back to the 1950s, not only describing triangular UFOs, But triangular UFOs with the same lighting characteristics, there's one case in the book uh, from the Hartford Courant 
from 1960 with a, a sketch of the UFO. And I challenge anyone to look at that and tell me if that does not look exactly like the reports that we're receiving today. The lights are the same. The flight characteristics as outlined in the article are the same. The witness stated that with the other witnesses that were present, it was a multiple witness case, that one of the eeriest aspects was the fact that it was completely silent, which is, of course, another characteristic or hallmark of these cases that we hear today. So as I systematically started outlining, and if you had a chance to review a lot of the cases in the book, there's a wealth of case material, and there seems to be, as I like to say, a hell of a lot of smoke. So where there's smoke, there's fire. So I don't think we can summarily dismiss these accounts, and I don't think we can summarily attribute these to military aircraft. Now, once again, there is that claim that you've heard that these things only originated in the 1980s, which, of course, we know doesn't seem to be the case. That, that was one of the arguments that was being made, is that many of the, the people were saying, well, since these didn't appear till the 1980s, that these must be military aircraft. But yeah, you were saying there's some from the 60s, uh, from the early 60s, actually, if I remember from the book. Late 1800s are the earliest accounts that I found, and that was actually attributed to uh, Don Quixote's first book, The Flying Saucers Are Real. He describes uh, a number or a wave of sightings that occurred all the way back into the uh, eight, uh, 1890 is one of the earliest accounts. And he described that over the Dutch East Indies, that several large aerial bodies were sighted. He said that the accounts were describing them roughly as triangular, about 100 feet on the base and 200 feet on the sides. And so we have reports, early reports of triangular objects in the sky, but not just triangular objects, but of appreciable size. Those size estimates are, of course, similar to later reports we received. And then he states that, you know, five years after that, there was a wave of sightings in England and Scotland describing those large triangular objects similar to those as seen in the Dutch East Indies. And then there's a 1936 case, which Peter Davenport at the National UFO Reporting Center had received a, a report from years ago from a, a gentleman now deceased, where in 1936, he claimed to have seen a, a UFO, which at that time, he described as in the shape of a flat iron. He said it was wider at the back and, and pointed at the front. He described the, the way that the object moved, very similar to the uh, modern-day contemporary descriptions. Well, is there a way to differentiate, especially at night, between a triangular array of lights and a solid craft? Because, you know, I recall from my own investigative work that uh, occasionally you'll get sightings of multiple craft that seem to be in a triangular formation, and that is misconstrued by the witness as being a large triangular UFO. Is there any way we can differentiate between those two? I, I don't really think we can. Well, I, I'm glad you brought that up, Chris, because that's one thing I do mention in the book is that, as you can appreciate, going through the wealth of case material, I found a number of reports where people describe three points of light. To your point, just that. Perhaps they were three independent points of light. Uh, the cases I tried to focus on in the book, and admittedly, you know, the book is a, a distillation of a much larger subset of reports that I was pulling from. But some of the ones I tried to avoid uh, incorporating in, into the work were reports of just that uh, three points of light, and that's how they describe them, 
or other vague reports where uh, it sounds like, based on their description, it might have been a high-altitude balloon, you know, where they described it as like an inverted pyramid. It seemed semi-transparent and reflected sunlight. Well, that could very, very well possibly be a, a high-altitude atmospheric balloon, which take on an unusual appearance. There was one over Latvia that was actually investigated by the Russian military that I think was a high-altitude balloon. But to your point, the ones I tried to focus on were, A, multiple witness cases, and B, cases where the witnesses described as the UFO moved overhead, we saw the points of light. And by the way, some of these didn't describe any lights. But as the object moved overhead, we could see a dark triangular shape against a lighter background in this night sky. Right. And we could actually see the object blocking out the stars as it yeah. moved overhead. Now that, I think, to your point is a little bit more to work with or a little bit more substantial in the way of reports than just, to your point, points of light in the sky. Well, getting substantial, we're talking about a nuts and bolts phenomenon here because it's something that you can see as a structured craft, which is so very different from any of the UFO cases, and that's why it makes it more compelling. And we've got a lot more compelling stuff to talk about. The book Triangular UFOs, David Marler is the author, with contributions from a bunch of people we'll mention later, including George Wingfield and material from Richard Dolan, etc. More to come with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Friends, this is Alex Jones for MidasResources.com. For more than 15 years, I have exclusively used Midas Resources for all my precious metal needs. Whether it's bullion or collectibles you're looking for, Midas Resources is simply the best. I own my gold as a hedge against inflation. This Federal Reserve fiat currency could go the way of the Deutschmark and the Weimar Republic anytime. In these historically dangerous times, it makes sense to physically hold gold and silver. Midas already has some of the best deals in the industry. But if you give them a call and mention the radio special, they will give you a list of the day's super specials. Midas brokers are standing by to answer all your questions at 800-686-2237. They also have a lot of informative free literature explaining the opportunities and risk of holding precious metals. They are ready to answer your questions at 800-686-2237. Again, that's 800-686-2237. 
pick up the receiver. With your heart racing and sweat dripping from your forehead, you finally muster the courage to dial the number to call into your favorite talk radio show. It rings once, twice, and then... Hello, it's GCN. What's your name and the state you're calling from? Surprised you got through, you squeak out. Jason from Minnesota. Please hold. As you patiently wait for your turn, you begin to daydream about being a famous talk radio host and what it would be like to have your own show. Jason from Minnesota, you're up. Millions of loyal listeners worldwide waiting to call and talk to you. Caller, are you there? Cheering crowds surround you, calling out your name. Jason! 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 Jason. Going once. Twice. Okay, we gotta move on to the next caller. You blew it. Huh? Wait, no! Interact with the host you're listening to right now online at GCNlive.com. Click on the community link. Engage with other listeners. Ask questions. Start debates. Don't agree with the host? Let them know. Be a part of the community at GCNlive.com. On Facebook, on the news, and in conversations with friends, we're bombarded every day with advice on how to be healthier, from gluten-free and non-GMO diets to how much exercise and sleep the body needs. But how much have you heard about alkalizing the body? AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops are a holistic and natural way to get your body's pH levels back in balance. Just a few drops in water will help your body rid itself of harmful waste. And even the healthiest of diets can be complemented with your daily use of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops. Who isn't looking for more vibrance, vigor, and energy? Now buy two bottles of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops and get $10 off your order. Visit AlkaVision.com or call 800-518-7615. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops are packed with a powerful combination of the most alkaline minerals and compounds. Open the door to greater health, vitality, and zest for life. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health. Call 800-518-7615 or head to AlkaVision.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So if you're tuning in late, our question is why? Why did you tune in late to the Paracast? But the book is called Triangular UFOs, an estimate of the situation from David Marler, with a preface from John Alexander and contributions from Richard Dolan, Mark Rodiger, Sam Maranto, George Wingfield, Omar Fowler. Just very quickly before we get back to our discussion, the various contributors and what respect did they add to the book? In answering that, let me also continue to answer your earlier question as far as what prompted me to write the book. In 2012, I attended the Ozark UFO Conference. I had spoken there many times in the past, but this particular year when I presented my material, I was really amazed at the response on the part of the audience. I had more people expressing interest in the research, uh, specifically you know, regarding these triangular UFOs. One person that expressed interest, who I had met just the day before very briefly, was Colonel John Alexander. And as I was uh, stepping off the stage, I was met with a number of audience members that either had cases they wanted to share or questions. And John worked his way across the room and came over and uh, shook my hand and just said, that's one of the damn finest presentations I've seen at one of these UFO conferences in a long time. And so he was very interested in the research that I was engaged in. This led to subsequent emails and phone calls, and I shared a lot of additional case material with him. In the process of coming home from that conference, I decided that perhaps I should 
start documenting this. I actually had two people ask me, can I buy a copy of your book? At which point I was in, had to s- somewhat in an embarrassed way say, well, I don't have a book. And they told me, well, you need to write a book. You have really good information. That in conjunction with John Alexander's interest in the research, I thought, you know, that was what really prompted me to start the writing process. In so doing, then I wanted to enlist the aid or the assistance of others that had encouraged me in my early days, such as George Wingfield, a dear friend of mine, and Omar Fowler over in the UK, who did some of the early triangular research back in the 80s and the 90s. It was contributions by those that assisted me, those that that, that helped me and encouraged me over the years. Chris, I'm sure you would agree. It's just like, you know, we wrote the book, but it's certainly not without the help of those that assisted in that whole process. Oh, yeah. We all stand on the shoulders of giants, at least. That's what I say constantly about my work. Absolutely. So, and that's why I wanted to incorporate towards the end of the book, other researchers' perspectives or insights, because David Marler does not have the answer to the UFO phenomenon. I would never be that arrogant to ever make a statement like that. And I believe that we need to have dialogue. And I I also believe in conjunction with that, we can disagree without being disagreeable. Yes, uh, in a perfect world. (laughs) (laughs) But maybe not in the UFO field. Uh, It's kind of of like communism. In theory, it works, but in practicality, it doesn't. (laughs) Yes. You have to be careful about that statement because now people will be saying, because we're on the Genesis Communications Network, the home of Alex Jones, that David Marler is saying something nice about communism. We want to make sure we Just understand. No, he Just was saying something analogy. nice about communism in theory. <laughs> Big difference. Well, I must say, one of the cases that I've always been very intrigued by, of course, are the Phoenix Lights case. Uh, having been actually working down in Casa Grande, Arizona, mm-hmm. about a third of the way from Phoenix to Tucson on I-10, Staying in a motel room, watching the NCAA basketball finals that night, hearing hooping and hollering outside and and thinking, wow, somebody must have a TV in the parking lot. (laughs) And then to see this guy come on, uh, break into the game and say, I'm standing here and there's a huge UFO behind me. And I'm thinking, what's going on? So I run outside and all these people are milling around saying, oh, you missed it. It just flew over about 20 minutes ago. And I'm like, oh, man, what about the Phoenix Lights? I mean, you know, you've heard some pretty interesting skeptical analysis of the event. Recently, we had uh, stories of skeptics coming forward with with this flight of uh, Air Force planes that uh, was Mm -hmm. misconstrued as the Phoenix Lights. Right. Uh, I've done a a bit of looking into this particular case, obviously, uh, having almost been a witness to it. Where do you come down on this particular case? It's it's quite celebrated that in Stephenville, of course. Yes. But where do you come down on that? You had some interesting observations in the book. Yeah, I believe that there was an unidentified flying object that was traversing the state of Arizona. I don't believe that it was A-10 warthogs dropping flares over the Barry Goldwater test range. Now, that being said, and I know this is a, a point of consternation for a lot of people, the famous videos that have been shot of the lights over Phoenix, in my estimation, are just that. Flares being dropped from A-10 warthogs over the Barry Goldwater test range. But the thing that I think is important is that, you know, 45 minutes to an hour after the initial wave of sightings, those flares were dropped over the Barry Goldwater test range. So we are talking two different incidents. I have a hard time dismissing all of the eyewitness testimony all the way down the state of Arizona where people were describing this. And to the point we were discussing earlier with regard to just points of light in the sky, many of the eyewitnesses in the uh, greater Phoenix area described lights on the craft, on this object, but they were recessed. 
So in order for these lights to appear to be recessed, they're, they're seeing some type of superstructure either around or attached to all of these lights. Again, I, I just don't think we can summarily dismiss all of this eyewitness testimony. I think something flew over the area. Now, what it was, I don't know. But there has been so much, I think, in the way of muddying of the water with these famous videos, because people always tend to gravitate towards videos and photographs. And in my estimation, and, and you know, Chris, I'd be interested on in your take as well. When you look at that famous video of, of the Phoenix Lights, if you've ever seen military aircraft dis dispersing flares, that's exactly what it looks like. You see this series of lights appearing one after the other with equal spacing between their deployment. I absolutely agree. I think that that was probably a red herring, a quickly dispatched red herring to try to take the focus off the initial event, which, as you mentioned, occurred about 40, 45 minutes prior to that. We do have this this whole flight line that's been established from all the way up around Henderson, Nevada, going all the way down the Prescott Valley, hitting 17 and going down and then following uh, I-10 down to Tucson, where then it appears to have made, I think, a turn to the west, if I remember. Um, I believe so. There were witnesses all along that particular flight path. Much of the witness testimony, to my knowledge, does not conform to the actual shape that you see in the famous footage, which, uh, to me, were unusual-looking flare. They did, I, I think, hang there a little longer than your average flare would. There is some interesting uh, things we can talk about in terms of the technology of those flares, but I, mm -hmm. I agree absolutely that that was not only flares, but I think they were hastily dispatched up there to try to take the focus off the initial event. I'm glad you said that because I just did a recent lecture here in Albuquerque for the local MUFON group. We touched on that. It's reassuring to hear your, your take on that as well because I, I tend to agree that it, it was almost as though, and again, I must preface this by saying it's sheer speculation on my part, it was almost like they wanted to establish plausible deniability. Get some A-10s up there, dispatch some flares, that way we can attribute any of these sightings to that and dismiss this whole thing and try to diminish the, the level of interest. What's interesting, though, I, I draw parallels to this, this other wave of sightings, namely the Hudson Valley wave from 83 to 86, because it's interesting in the sense that they're describing these flying wings or chevron-shaped UFOs, but also what's interesting is the fact that the Hudson Valley wave had these UFOs sighted. And then shortly thereafter, we had reports of Cessna planes going up with these unusual lighting arrays in that respect. David, let's, we'll do our break here. David Marler joining us. We're talking about those Hudson Valley UFO sightings and more coming with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. largest independently owned and operated talk radio network the genesis communications network gcn graphic converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us it does not use any database you get full control of all your files want to view the images of a folder drag it into graphic converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files you could use it for slideshows you could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners need to do some image editing you can do that too in graphic converter also print catalogs convert from so many 
formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. We love that you're passionate about GCN. And whether you're a listener, a business owner, or a radio industry professional, we've redesigned the new GCN newsletter to keep you in the know. Get updates on your favorite GCN shows and hosts. Go to GCNlive.com and click on the banner in the upper left corner. Just for signing up, you're automatically entered for monthly giveaways. Start receiving your newsletter today. The future of talk radio. GCN. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Call 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there and I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. Hi, this is Tracy Torme, screenwriter, producer. You're listening to Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Now, David Marler, in looking at the Hudson Valley case, I guess the only red flag one would consider here is the problem with 
Phil Imbrogno and his credentials where he was later found to be a fraud, basically. Yeah, that was unfortunately very sad to find that out. And I've, I've had this discussion with some of the other researchers as well, where, you know, now in retrospect, we're trying to tease out this information. But I would like to emphasize that, at least in respect to my book, I, I didn't draw strictly from, uh, you know, the book Night Siege, which was co-authored by Philip Imbrogno, as well as Bob Pratt and Dr. Hynek. Uh, but I did actually go to the original source materials. I actually do have a, a wealth of case material, uh, namely the the original local newspaper articles from that time. So to that point, and, and it's a very valid point to bring up, uh, that I did go to the original newspapers at the time to try to ascertain what was being reported and to also verify what was being documented in Night Siege. Yeah, and again, we have, we have a, a series of, of reports that were literally witnessed by hundreds, if not thousands of people. So it's not yeah. like you, you just have some uh, isolated redneck Yahoo sitting out in the trailer park somewhere. Um, <laughs> you know, these, these are, you know, Westchester County, for instance, uh, is one of the highest per capita, um, I think, uh, counties in the country. There's a lot of professionals there, doctors, lawyers, uh, scientists. The quality of witnesses for the Hudson Valley uh, cases, I think, uh, is higher than your, your average <laughs> sighting wave in terms no, of you know, I think that's very important to kind of, you know, paint the landscape as far as, yeah, what that area consists of, the, the, the caliber of people that live there. I completely agree. And again, you know, we look at the Hudson Valley wave and you look at the the description of the UFOs, you look at some of the flight characteristics, and it seems to fit an overall pattern of these triangular UFOs. Um, you look at some of those reports, and again, we're talking, you know, uh, upstate New York uh, in the, the early mid-80s, and then you can compare that to a wave of sightings that I documented in my book going back to 1957 over Denmark. And this was written up in the Danish newspaper BT of the time. And I even found a Reuters news article from April 1958 that described, and this is, I always emphasize this when I do my presentations, their words, not mine, triangular spaceships is how it was written up in the Reuters news article and in the Danish uh, newspaper BT. And they described these large, low-flying, dark, triangular UFOs. And one of the accounts in the Reuters news article uh, discusses the fact that uh, these other smaller objects were seen to fly out of the larger triangular object. The Reuters uh, news team that went out to interview the primary witness in this particular case, it was over the village of Brohir, uh, they found 20 other witnesses in the village that corroborated the woman's testimony. And in the Danish newspaper BT, it states that American and uh, uh, Danish officials are looking into the case. Now, have the authorities ever come up with an official explanation for this? Because, you know, when you have lights in the sky, you know, you can dismiss it as anything. You know, flares, stars, planets, meteor lights, or whatever. When you have something that looks like a structured craft, what's their excuse? Well, I mean, you know, quite often they'll, they'll refer to these private pilots, as, as I mentioned in the Hudson Valley case. Uh, uh, flares are, of course, another one, as you mentioned. But there, there is no official explanation that covers all of these triangular UFO reports. Uh, admittedly, as we know, our, our, our military is, is very tight-lipped when it comes to the UFO subject. Um, but the one thing that's fascinating is not so much what government or military officials are saying, what really strikes me as odd and something I always like to bring up in these discussions, the fact that when you go on the Internet and you type in triangular UFO, 
Obviously, you're going to find a wealth of material and, and of course, you know, spurious uh, YouTube videos. But what's interesting is the fact that you always find reference to this TR-3B aircraft. And to me, this is something that needs to be addressed head on because so many people, and earlier you were asking about comments and reviews of the book, a lot of people are saying, oh, triangular UFOs, those are the TR-3B aircraft. And people will say, well, that was developed by McDonnell Douglas or Boeing, or, well, we know how that craft operates. We know where it was tested. We know insiders that worked on the program. But I have to say, we have no evidence to support any of those claims. But people are stating matter-of-factly, oh, that's just the TR-3B. Well, where is your evidence for that? I, you know, it's it's like it's almost trying it, it's like trying to validate the the uh, reliability of a Ouija board with a crystal ball. That just you're taking one mysterious thing <laughs> and trying to explain it with another mysterious thing. Oh, that was excellent! I got to remember that one. I'm going to steal that one for it from you. <laughs> well, and, and let's get real. Some of these uh, uh, triangle sightings are from a half a mile to a mile in length, and I'm sorry, we don't have powered. Uh, black budget aircraft uh, like the Flying Mana that right. that, that come e- anywhere near that size. Now, if you're talking about lighter than air, uh, the potential for lighter than air platforms, Correct. that's a completely different subject. But absolutely, absolutely. yeah, uh, the Aurora, uh, the TR3B, uh, it's ludicrous. It's it, until we can substantiate these uh it, it, with official documentation i must emphasize that official documentation not not the one or two whistleblowers that have come forward saying that they worked on these classified projects and in the course of writing the book i interviewed uh british aerospace uh engineers i interviewed uh people from boeing mcdonnell douglas and every single one of them and no surprise to the educated listeners out there every single one of them said if this person or persons worked on these classified projects involving the so-called purported TR-3B, and they're on the internet, and they're on the lecture circuit, and they're on documentaries talking about said classified projects, they're not only going to be fired, they're going to be fined, imprisoned, and their pensions revoked. There's a reason that we have these gentlemen sign secrecy oaths and sign affidavits that they will not disclose this information. And the idea that these people worked on these classified projects and are out there not only describing the fact they worked on them, but then going into detail describing the physics behind how these craft operate, which they've done. And to think that they're sitting out there with impunity and that no action has been taken against them flies in the face of logic as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not to say that, uh, you know, someone driving along uh, the, you know, maybe between uh, Rachel and, and uh, Eli or something, Nevada back in the early 80s or late 70s uh, at dusk and having a, you know, a B-2 bomber fly over or a stealth fighter fly over. Uh, obviously, before that was publicly acknowledged that those pro- projects and those uh, well, those aerial platforms, they, they saw a UFO. Absolutely, Chris. And in fact, a, a very specific comment that was made to me, which which I have in the book, 
one of the aerospace engineers I interviewed is the late uh, Dr. Paul Ziss, who lived in St. Louis, and uh, he actually taught at uh, Parks Air College, part of St. Louis University. Uh, he was the head of their aeros uh, aviation uh, section, and uh, he was kind of the local aviation expert uh, when this January 5th, 2000 incident occurred. But he's uh, he's been involved in classified projects for 30, 35 years, and uh, like I said, he passed away shortly after my book was published, but he, st he made an interesting comment. I asked him about the January 5th case with the passage of 12, 13 years. Did he believe that that was something that we created? In other words, you know, something from the DOD, or does he believe that that might have been someone else's technology? And his, his answer was very interesting, and it touches on what you're, what you're bringing up. He said, Dave, if it was just a triangular object or triangular aircraft, I would think it might be something similar to what can be seen around Edwards Air Force Base, which I thought was an interesting statement. But he said the fact that the maneuverability and the high rates of acceleration from a dead stop, as reported by these police officers, I don't believe that it's any of our technology. He said, I believe it is someone else's technology that we're looking at. So obviously, in something like this, on the basis of what we're seeing, more than other UFOs, once again, we're focusing on the technology and why it cannot be somebody's secret test aircraft, because it would be a very interesting kind of technology, wouldn't it? But I have a wacky question to ask in a moment. Sure. Oh, okay. David Marler is joining us with the wacky Gene and the very normal Chris. <laughs> You're in the Paracast. Great minds think alike. The network for the independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I had already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TechNightOwl for a special discount. We all have our own idea about what being safe and secure means. The doors lock, bills are paid, you've got a job that keeps the lights on, and a home to call your own. But what happens when Mother Nature throws a curveball? I'm telling you, yes, cover. cover. Are you prepared to live without electricity or passable roads for weeks at a time? Do you even have a plan B? If you do, are you willing to bet your life on it? Children left with no homes. And no one's coming to help them. Help them. The first step towards self-reliance in the face of disaster is a visit to MyPatriotSupply.com. There you'll find the absolute best prices on storable foods, non-GMO seeds, emergency water filtration devices, and so much more. All orders over $49 qualify for free shipping in the lower 48 states. Call 866-229-0927. That's 866-229-0927. And speak to one of our preparedness advisors today or visit us at mypatriotsupply.com remember before it's time to survive it's time to prepare
Yeah? Did you want to see me, sir? Well, I did, but now that I do, I'm not so sure. Sir? Johnson, I got a mission for you that could change your life. Oh, good, sir. It involves traveling halfway around the world without so much as half a clue of where you're going or what you're going to do when you get there. Situation normal, sir? Uh-huh. Well, I'll be leading this mission, Johnson, so I'll be telling you what to do. You, sir? That's right, Johnson, and I say first things first. Oh, good plan, sir. And what I say is first is food. Always remember that, Johnson. Food is a big deal. Sir, my brother-in-law can guess a really good deal on some surplus MREs. Johnson, if you've got half a brain and that empty head of yours, you'll Call the freeze-dry guy like I did. That food is better for you. It rehydrates faster, and it's good, Johnson. And it keeps for up to 30 years. Will we be gone that long, sir? I hope not. Now get your supplies organized and meet me down to the pier at dawn on Sunday. We sail at sunrise. Yes, sir. This adventure is brought to you by the freeze-dry guy. Call 866-404-3663 or visit freezedryguy.com. What good is a Big Berkey water filter? We get that question a lot here at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And in a word, the answer is protection. Protection from water main breaks, E. coli contamination, environmental chemical spills, pesticide runoff, chlorine taste and smell, and all forms of fluoride. Plus, Big Berkey water filters are the original gravity water filter system and most trusted on the market for a reason. Tested by multiple independent NSF EPA certified labs, they are the gold standard in water purification. At only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. That means big savings. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get a Big Berkey today at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit our website or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. This is Micah Hanks of the Grayling Report, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. A wacky question. Okay. So, do you believe, first of all, in the reality of the Roswell case that it may have been a crashed spaceship? This is going to sound like a politically correct response, but it, it is the most honest response I can give you. When it comes to Roswell, I'm an agnostic. Uh, there have been so many stories circulated that I honestly don't know what to believe at this point or what to accept. The only thing I can actually state is something crashed. I think all, all people are in agreement on that. Something crashed, something was recovered. But there have been so many stories that have circulated and so many different permutations on this story over the years. And many witnesses that have come forward with testimony that were then later proven to be uh, false, that uh, I'm pretty much an agnostic when it comes down to that. I'm very skeptical uh, with regard to the, let's say, secondary or tertiary aspects of the Roswell incident, namely like the MJ-12 documents and things like this. I'm very skeptical with regard to all of that. But I honestly don't know. As I like to say, I wasn't there in July 1947, so I don't know what came down but I don't fall into the traditional UFO belief system that absolutely positively an extraterrestrial craft crashed. We've been back engineering it over the last several decades, and MJ-12 was created as a result to deal with the situation. I don't readily accept that. I can't discount it, but to me, I, I need to see more evidence of that. Okay, you kind of begin to ask my question, which is, assuming Roswell 
really was a crashed spaceship, and I find myself very much in your camp. I'm agnostic about what might have happened then. Okay? Assuming it was a crashed spaceship, we would expect that we'd be trying to reverse engineer the technology. So therefore, if we reverse engineer the technology from that or any other crash, could these black triangles be the result of our attempts to duplicate alien technology? Just wondering, that's all. Uh, no, I mean, it's, it's, a valid, it's a valid line of thought. And uh, I think that whether it was in 47 or 89 or 1962, if an extraterrestrial craft did crash, any government, any military would drool over the ability to be able to understand and back engineer the technology to basically develop it into a weapon of war and basically take over the world. I mean, anybody that could suddenly have advanced technology like that drop in their lap, they, they could rule the world if they so choose. But, you know, the other thing I like to mention, and this is something that is usually never discussed, and, and so I'm glad you brought that up, you know, quite often, and I think we know the UFO belief narrative that Roswell was an alien spacecraft. We did back engineer it. We've mastered the technology. And now these a lot of these objects are, in fact, back engineered alien slash man-made technology. What's interesting, though, is it, I think it really presupposes quite a bit. Namely, let's just say for the sake of argument that an extraterrestrial craft did crash in 1947. And I really never hear people really analyze it in this respect. Let's just speculate that the technology, and I'm going to be conservative, let's just say the technology is a thousand years ahead of us. And let's also keep in mind it's alien technology. Okay? So we have two big hurdles here. We have a thousand year gap in technological advancement, and it is alien by its very definition. How are we in 1947, or for that matter, in uh, you know 2015 now, going to necessarily be able to even begin to comprehend the physics behind this technology? And I say that just by looking at my smartphone sitting here in front of me. If I just sent this back, human technology in 2015, back to the late 1800s, not even a thousand years, not even close to a thousand years. How would they even begin to understand what they're looking at? We've used that exact analogy numerous times on this show. <laughs> right. This is one of the speculations we point out to that Chris takes his iPhone 5S and he sends it back through the time machine to 1814, where we took a little trip. But no, it's like a song. 1814. And you give those people your iPhone. Remember, there's no cellular network. And maybe the battery still works, but of course, once it <laughs> runs out of a charge, what happens then? Then it's bricked. Would they even know how to open the thing up without exactly. breaking and, it? And again, w there's two hurdles. There's there's that the, the temporal hurdle and the advancement in technology. But again, let's say this is something from another star system or another dimension of reality. I mean, that just compounds matters tenfold. A good example of this line of thinking would be Jacques Vallée's novel, Alien Tell, or Fast Walkers, that he co-wrote with uh, Tracy Torme. Yes. Uh, that exact scenario is addressed very, I think, very uh, creatively in, uh, in that book, which I do also recommend along with your book. And the fact that Vallée comes down almost suggesting that there's a biological aspect to the technology, that it's a living technology, that it's not mm -hmm. totally mechanistic. And mm -hmm. so, you know, we really 
it, it, we would be scratching our heads and, and I doubt that we could even figure out even how to open the door. <laughs> well, and, and, and again, I, 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 again, we have to take this UFO belief system and that's really what it is. Belief system in segments, in small bites. And again, let's assume for the sake of argument, Roswell did occur. It was an extraterrestrial spacecraft that crashed in 47. Okay. Let's just run with that for a minute. Okay, the government retrieved it. They have this advanced technology. They don't even begin to understand it. And you also have dead bodies. Okay, dead alien bodies or human for that matter are not going to be able to answer questions insofar as where they come from, why they're here, and you know the, the nature of their existence. So, but this this belief system that has developed within the UFO community is. They crashed. We've back engineered the technology. We know where they come from. We know why they're here. I, I just think it, it, it speaks volumes in leaps of logic. Um, just because you have a dead alien body, just because you have a crashed spacecraft, doesn't give you any insight into where it came from or why they're here. And even if ET talked to you and could be understood somehow, you know, they've learned English, they have a universal translator, whatever, why assume they'd be telling you the truth? I mean, I'm why, so why would they prefer strawberry ice cream? <laughs> I thought they I'm were so making, I thought up. they liked buckwheat pancakes myself. <laughs> I thought they really had an affinity for buckwheat pancakes. Ask Joe Simonton as if Joe he's still Simonton. alive. I love if that he, case. I absolutely love that case. Is he still uh, alive even? I don't think so. I don't think so. I doubt it. He was pretty old, I think, back then when, when, yeah. when that case occurred. But that, and if we could just jump back for a moment, I used that same argument with regard to the abduction phenomenon. You know, the abductees are given all this information. How do you know the veracity of those statements? There's no possible way you can verify the veracity of what they're telling you. Yeah. And why would they get in touch with somebody totally unknown? You know, a postal worker. Right. In the country road coming home with his wife from a trip to New Hampshire. Well, I guess from our, I guess from our scientific standpoint, we could look at it as just random sampling. Right, but don't you think it's happening too often? I mean, some people say millions of Earthlings are being impregnated with alien DNA and the sperm of an alien. Even assuming it could work, we have to yeah. be pretty close in terms of the genetic makeup to ET yeah. for crossbreeding to be possible. Right. No, I, I agree. And uh, I just think that if ufology is going to move forward, and survive as a viable line of inquiry, we need to be able, and, and by we, I mean the greater UFO community, and I know I'm, I'm sounding idealistic here, and you can, you can slap me for that, but we need to be able to separate belief from what we can substantiate. You know, it doesn't matter what Chris O'Brien believes. It doesn't matter what David Marler believes. It, it, what matters is what we can document, substantiate. What matters is where the data takes us, not where our beliefs steer the data. So what do you think about the people out there who think the UFO mystery is pretty much solved? The U.S. Air Force or some other government agency has all the answers. And now if we could only get 100,000 signatures we sent it to the president of the united states and as a result of those 100,000 demands from the populace that we tell the truth about ufos that they admit everything they expected is true and we're going to have this move into our next segment 
Don't hold your breath, Gene. What are the chances that even if those signatures are there, that they get enough people to do this crazy thing, that they're going to get more than a polite brush off? Just like the first petition. The first petition, we sent it out and some third-level bureaucrat says, well, of course, we have no evidence that spaceships are visiting us. End of story. There it goes. The question about disclosure and the prospects. We're asking that question of David Marler, author of a book about triangular UFOs. This is the triangular gene with the straight arrow, Chris. You're in the Paracast. Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN. Hi, this is Larry Smith. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. Like when the jeweler ruined my ring and wouldn't do anything about it. But when my Legal Shield attorney called him and told him what my rights were, I received a check for over $2,100. Worry less and live more with lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com or call 855-340-SAVE. Again, 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, then carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Hi, Ted Anderson. I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. The human body is extraordinary. Despite all the stresses we inflict upon it, it still works hard to stay in balance. Thousands upon thousands of people rely upon heart and body extract to help their body stay balanced. This excellent 100% natural herbal formula helps maintain healthy blood pressure levels, cleans arteries, promotes good circulation, balances cholesterol, and more. HB extract paired with healthy lifestyle choices like good nutrition and exercise can give you a life free of pain, sickness, and fear. Recapture your youthful vitality and experience your body healing itself with the aid of HB extract. It's extremely effective and it starts working in just days. Visit hbextract.com to learn more and to read scores of testimonials from satisfied customers. And we've never increased our price in over 10 years. That makes heart and body extract as great a value now as it was the first day we sold it. A healthy heart is a happy heart. Call 866-295-5305 or go to hbextract.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. I love laughter. Does anyone remember laughter? <laughs> David Marler is joining us. Anyone who laughs at the jokes that I do not tell is now he's now a, my buddy. He's my good buddy. If, you know, if, if I ever get down to New Mexico to pay him a visit. He's my good buddy. This is a fun show. I'm enjoying it. What do you think about disclosure? It, it sounds like the cheap way out. Well, they know the truth, so they're going to tell us. What do you think? Uh, I don't think that we're ever going to have petitions that are going to suddenly pry the lid off of the UFO, quote unquote, UFO secrecy. Uh, my own personal opinion is, and I've known people that have engaged in that endeavor at state and you know and national levels, 
Uh, I just have four words, an exercise in futility. Yeah, yeah, that's an understatement. Plus, uh, the petition is going to the wrong branch of government. The executive branch is not going to be involved in any disclosure initiative. It's going to have to start with the with Congress. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I, I, I talk about this in my book towards the end where I, I try to you know extrapolate some some conclusions and some some ideas as far as what the state of affairs is with regard to uh, UFOs and our government and not just our government. I mean, I think, you know, we always have to keep in mind this is a global phenomenon. It's involving governments, plural. But um, I, again, my take is a little bit different than I think a lot of the people in the UFO, general UFO community. Um, I don't believe the government has the answers. You know, even if, as we, as we, you know, speculated earlier, if Roswell occurred and they have dead bodies and recovered spacecraft, that doesn't mean they've mastered the technology and they have any more answers than we do as far as where these things are from, why they're here, and how this technology works. And I, I really think that the, you know, if there is a quote-unquote cover-up, and, you know, we can kind of discuss that as far as how you would define that, because, you know, there's differences in the definition of that. It's um, a cover up of their ignorance. They know a lot more it. than we do. That's why they're a lot more confused and a lot less likely to admit that they're not in control, which is. And that's exact. That's, that's the conclusion that I've arrived at as well. Uh, it, it's not based on the fact that they know it's based on the fact they don't know. And we pay our tax dollars so they do know. So they do have a handle on things so they can protect us. So they can control our airspace. But when you have objects of unknown origin that are not only violating our airspace, but restricted airspace over areas, as Robert Hastings has researched, over nuclear weapons storage facilities, uh, in 1952, UFOs over restricted airspace over the Capitol and the White House, they are not going to acknowledge that. And you have to ask yourself, if you are in their position, why would you? What do you think? The authorities know about any of this, or are they as mystified as the rest of us and just won't admit it? Well, obviously, I don't know what they have tucked away in their hangars and what objects may have been recovered. But I, I think just from, again, from a conservative standpoint, if we can assume that at least a small portion of the accounts that we have going back 60, almost 70 years now, where pilots have sighted UFOs, captured them on gun camera footage, if the accounts of uh, the late Gordon Cooper can be taken at face value, where this UFO set down on the dry lake bed at, you know, at Edwards Air Force Base, and it was filmed. And Gordon Cooper, you know, American hero, states he saw the footage, he held it up to the light, and it was good, clear footage. And a courier from Washington came, collected the film, and took it back. We have numerous accounts of this. And that's just, I'm just talking film footage. They know more than we do. I think we can safely assume that, especially with their level today, as far as satellites and imaging and, and sensing equipment. I, I think we can safely assume they know more than we do. Now, obviously, we don't know the details and the, de the degree to which they know more, but they know more than we do. But that being said, uh, to our point we were just discussing, that just because you have information doesn't mean you have answers. And I, I often say that in my lectures, I have a, a very large library, which hopefully when you guys get a chance to come out to Albuquerque next time, I'd love for you to see. But just because I have case material and lots of information doesn't mean I'm any closer to answers than the first day I started going down this path of, of investigation.
<laughs> I often say that I'm way more confused now than I was when I first started 20 plus years ago. But I think I just think we need to, to make that distinction. Just because you have information, it does not equate to answers. Chris, go ahead with your question. Yeah, I was going to uh, uh, dive into the Stevensville um, events uh, from a, a few years back where we have uh, multiple sightings of what appear to be a triangular craft in conjunction with F-16s uh, that were first denied being in the air air at the time by the military. And then later on, they said, oh, yeah, well, we did have some planes up there, but uh, there was nothing to it. And uh, also the possible incursion of restricted airspace around uh, Bush's Crawford Ranch. Uh, Absolutely. Oh, then Absolutely. Let's, let's discuss that case a little bit, because that, that to me is one of the more compelling cases of recent years. It, yeah, it's one of the more compelling cases. Obviously, we have a number of eyewitness testimony again. And it, the interesting aspect, what you touched on, was the fact that we had these jets operating in the area at the time. And uh, I, I don't think that, you know, people, a lot of people realize how significant the Stevensville sightings were insofar as, as the degree. And I believe MUFON even did an investigation with regard to radar as well at the time in that area, that there was an unknown object that was tracked on radar. Um, and despite the fact, as many of the skeptics will say, well, this is all anecdotal eyewitness testimony and it can't be accepted. Well, let's just take Stevensville and let's let's look at the broader scope of Stevensville in the context of other reports. We have Stevensville with radar confirmation of an unknown target. We have jet interceptors in the air at the time, again, because of the proximity of the Crawford Ranch, as you mentioned. We also have Chilean Air Force that tracked on ground radar a triangular UFO uh, back in 79 and 1980, two separate occasions, and they dispatched uh, jet interceptors, and the jet interceptors were able to lock on to the triangular UFO, which was visually observed by one of the pilots, Captain Daniel Catalan Farias. And then we also have uh, 1980, November 18th, 1980, as documented by Bob Pratt and reported in a number of newspapers. Uh, 1980, over the state of Missouri, uh, north central Missouri uh, and parts of Kansas, a large triangular UFO that was sighted and the FAA stated that they had tracked an unknown target at the time. And in addition, we have the Belgian wave where we have ground based radar, airborne radar lock on of this UFO. Uh, in addition to ground visual observers. So we, you know, for people that say, and recently I had someone here in Albuquerque say, well, these are just stories, it's all anecdotal. Well, not when you have a number of radar cases that corroborate this. And to your point, Stevensville is one of those cases. Yeah, and, and the, the idea that uh, F-16s uh, with huge afterburner flames uh, shooting out the backside uh, really... You know, exercising uh, full military power, trying to chase this thing down. It it sounds um, it sounds like somebody took that uh, particular event seriously. Um, yes, and uh, in in point of fact, uh, just this past Friday on the uh, History Channel Canada, uh, I, I worked on an episode which just aired last Friday there, and uh, it, it covers the triangular UFO phenomenon. And uh, in just, I believe, the second of uh, two interviews, uh, they actually interview the F-16 pilot, Eve, uh, who actually did achieve the lock-on of that UFO on that night. Uh, what about lighter-than-air uh, aerial platforms that may be um, classified? Uh, you hear rumblings uh, from time to time that we are developing these stealth blimps. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, they're not going to answer 
and, and speak to some of the uh, exotic uh, propulsion uh, issues. Uh, you know, uh, going from from standing still hovering to uh, extremely uh, fast speeds. Absolutely. But uh, can we factor out uh, these large, uh, potentially classified uh, aerial platforms? Not at all. Not at all. In fact, uh, I don't think we can rule out military with regard to any of these more modern reports, uh, except for the fact, as you mentioned, the the ability, the, the flight characteristics. And again, this isn't me talking. This is, you know, again, based on some of the aerospace engineers I've talked to, like Dr. Paul Ziss. Uh, you know, he based on and his area was uh, advanced propulsion technology. That was his specialty. Let's and, go. Uh, let's go more into this in our next segment, because I want to ask you something else that relates to it. We have David Marler with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. Have you ever felt like the United States government knows way too much about your financial affairs? I continue to hear stories about property seizures, frozen bank accounts, confiscation of stocks and bonds. It makes me wonder if the U.S. citizen will ever again have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Unfortunately, with the Drug and Money Laundering Act, the IRS Revenue Ruling 6045 of 1984, and the Trading with the Enemy Act and Franklin D. Roosevelt's Executive Order of 1933, some precious metal holdings are subject to government intervention. For this reason, Midas Resources has prepared a report explaining the boundaries of trading precious metals privately. Whether if you have any intention of trading with Midas Resources or not, I have instructed my representatives to give this report out free. Call for your free copy at 1-800-686-2237. When investing, always proceed with caution. Again, call 1-800-686-2237. Exercise your legal right to trade metals privately. 1-800-686-2237. The human body is extraordinary. Despite all the stresses we inflict upon it, it still works hard to stay in balance. Thousands upon thousands of people rely upon heart and body extract to help their body stay balanced. This excellent 100% natural herbal formula helps maintain healthy blood pressure levels, cleans arteries, promotes good circulation, balances cholesterol, and more. HB extract paired with healthy lifestyle choices like good nutrition and exercise can give you a life free of pain, sickness, and fear. Recapture your youthful vitality and experience your body healing itself with the aid of HB extract. It's extremely effective and it starts working in just days. Visit hbextract.com to learn more and to read scores of testimonials from satisfied customers. And we've never increased our price in over 10 years. That makes heart and body extract as great a value now as it was the first day we sold it. A healthy heart is a happy heart. Call 866-295-5305 or go to hbextract.com. 
Yeah? Did you want to see me, sir? Well, I did, but now that I do, I'm not so sure. Sir? Johnson, I got a mission for you that could change your life. Oh, good, sir. It involves traveling halfway around the world without so much as half a clue of where you're going or what you're going to do when you get there. Situation normal, sir? Uh-huh. Well, I'll be leading this mission, Johnson, so I'll be telling you what to do. You, sir? That's right, Johnson, and I say first things first. Oh, good plan, sir. And what I say is first is food. Always remember that, Johnson. Food is a big deal. Sir, my brother-in-law can give us a really good deal on some surplus MREs. Johnson, if you've got half a brain and that empty head of yours, you'll Call the freeze-dry guy like I did. That food is better for you. It rehydrates faster, and it's good, Johnson. And it keeps for up to 30 years. Will we be gone that long, sir? I hope not. Now, get your supplies organized and meet me down to the pier at dawn on Sunday. We sail at sunrise. Yes, sir. This adventure is brought to you by the freeze-dry guy. Call 866-404-3663 or visit freezedryguy.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. If you haven't done so already, neighbors, go and visit plus.theparacast.com, P-L-U-S.theparacast.com, where you can sign up for our subscription service. To that, we give you some interesting benefits. First, the ad-free, commercial-free version of the Paracast with a higher-resolution copy. The After the Paracast podcast, where Chris and I ruminate on all sorts of things, such as the time that he ripped out his satellite TV installation on the last week's episode. Go to plus.theparacast.com, P-L-U-S.theparacast.com to learn more about signing up. We welcome you. David Marler is talking with us. He's author of a book about triangular UFOs, an estimate of the situation. And we're trying to estimate that situation right now. This is an interesting question here. Talking earlier about possible influences of alleged alien technology. And we all kind of agree that that technology may be far too advanced if it exists for us to make much sense of it. But what about in general? Is it possible here that exposed to anything like that, we would just, by the presence of UFOs, try to imitate in our own primitive way some kinds of technology? Do you think anything out there is based on the influence of the presence of UFOs, if not having control over the hardware. Yes, I don't think that's a stretch of the imagination at all. In fact, I was reviewing some of the Project Blue Book reports uh, from the early years, specifically here in the uh, Albuquerque, Los Alamos area. A lot of engineers, a lot of scientists were extremely interested at the time in those early reports. And mainly because as a scientist, uh, you know, you're fueled by the idea of how do things work? How do they function? To your point, if we can't master or replicate the technology in total, then perhaps we can at least glimmer some ideas or or gain some insights into being able to adapt our own existing technology in similar fashion. You know, with regard to the the case I investigated back January 5th, 2000, involving that large triangular UFO near Scott Air Force Base, a lot of people assume because it was seen in proximity to Scott Air Force Base that it must be military. And I have gone on record from day one and stated the most practical explanation would be that, yes, this is something military. However, in the absence of any official disclosures, to me, 
that UFO and these other UFOs have to be classified as unknown. Now, that being said, 10 years from now, if suddenly the Air Force declassifies documents or they unveil an aircraft that is triangular, that has the flight characteristics as, as demonstrated on January 5th, 2000, I'm more than willing to say, okay, we can now write that one off. But when you start going back historically, and that was one of the other issues for writing the book, or one of the reasons, rationales, was to show the history that, okay, in 2000, we might be able to explain this as man-made technology. How does that explain the cases in England in 1960 or over California in 1955? You know, I really tried to paint that tapestry of not only the geographic distribution of these reports, but the temporal distribution going back to the late 1800s, as we talked about earlier. Yeah, that's a very good point. I mean, there is no one-size-fits-all answer, obviously, and we're probably dealing with uh, multiple scenarios here. Uh, As with anything uh, involving the UFO mystery, we do have a question at our question bank where our listeners are able to post questions for our guest at forum.theparacast.com. This particular question comes from Wade Ridsdale, who's one of our, our very active posters. You know, this is something I've always wondered about. He's wondering, in your opinion, what's up with the affinity these crafts seem to have with, with highways? And do reports that come from overseas tend to follow in this vein? It, it just seems to me that they seem to follow roads for some reason. The Phoenix Lights, uh, Stevensville. You can go down the list. Uh, the Hudson Valley cases tended to follow some of the parkways, uh, the Taconic, uh, the Sawmill, uh, the Henry Hudson Parkway. Have you noticed a correlation between these flight paths uh, tending to mirror highway systems? I, I haven't analyzed it in detail, but it's certainly something I think I'm going to because it's it's a very good point that, that they bring up there. Because when I wrote the book, and in the book there's a number of cases like that. Uh, there's one over Illinois, very close to Scott Air Force Base again, in the early 70s, where this large triangular UFO was reported in the Metro East Journal, which was the local newspaper of the time. Before I was engaged in historical UFO research specific to the triangles, I was going through some microfilm about 10, 15 years ago and just pulled that out along with a number of other articles. But as I was putting together my triangular UFO research, found that account. And this triangular UFO basically paced this car and scared these two teenagers half to death. And they accelerated up to like 80, 85 miles an hour. And this triangular UFO was keeping pace with them. And interestingly enough, they described girders or beams on the underside of this object, similar to like Hudson Valley later in years. But I also, in the course of writing the book to get the information out there, as you can appreciate, Chris, I started getting this influx of reports coming in from readers and from people that heard about my book. And one was over in the UK, a woman that lives in Clacton-on-Sea, right off the English Channel. And she reached out to me because her and her daughter had a sighting back in the late 80s. They were driving their little Ford Fiesta that had a sunroof. And they were going down one of the the major arteries in the southern of England. They described this triangular UFO that came up over the highway and kept pace with their vehicle. And interestingly enough, it mirrored reports that I had already documented in the book from that general time frame, where it's as though these triangular UFOs were following these interstates, were following these cars. And there was even a case from Project Blue Book involving two police officers in Texas where a similar incident occurred. So yes, there does appear to be a pattern. Now, why they're doing this, I, I don't know. Are, are they 
simply observing the activity of individuals on on these interstates or you know are they intimidating or trying to harass people just to see what type of response that they elicit i don't know but there are a number of cases where that is indeed the case big question here and something we've been talking about in the paracast in recent weeks is what we see what we get when people see these structured craft flying in the skies triangular shaped or elsewhere Is that what the real phenomenon is, or are we just getting a flavor of it in accordance with what we expect to see? Uh, In other words, is perception reality? (laughs) Something like that. David, we want all the answers of the mysteries of the universe. Come on. Right now. I want it right now. I need it. I want the answers. I want the truth. I want disclosure. You can. No, forget it. If we can assume that, that there is a tangible reality behind some of these reports, Unfortunately, we we are only susceptible to our own level of perception. You know, all we can do is document what we're perceiving. There may be a reality behind what we're perceiving. There's unfortunately no way to substantiate that. That being said, I think we need to appreciate that when we are talking about observations, and this is certainly not a new idea. This goes back to the early 60s. Uh, Researcher Otto Binder even talks about this. He um, talks about the fact that when these objects disappear, Are they, in fact, quote-unquote, disappearing, or are they shifting the frequency of light around the object where it's simply moving into the ultraviolet or infrared spectrum, where we're just simply not perceiving it any longer? Admittedly, our perceptions are very limited just in relation to animals, other animals on this planet. Before our perceptions get too limited by the network, let's do our break. We have David Marler with Gene and Chris. You're in The Paracast. Free from the shackles of corporate America, we're the place for independent thinkers. GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. 
With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE, 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Call 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. What good is a Big Berkey water filter? We get that question a lot here at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And in a word, the answer is protection. Protection from water main breaks, E. coli contamination, environmental chemical spills, pesticide runoff, chlorine taste and smell, and all forms of fluoride. Plus, Big Berkey water filters are the original gravity water filter system and most trusted on the market for a reason. Tested by multiple independent NSF EPA certified labs, they are the gold standard in water purification. At only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. That means big savings. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get a Big Berkey today at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit our website or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. Hi, this is Joshua P. Warren, author of The Poor Man's Paranormal, and you're listening to The Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So, David Marler, maybe you don't subscribe to the possibility that we're all just living in pods and the computerized intelligence is directing our perception of reality then. I don't know if we're living in the matrix or not, if that's what you're asking me, Gene. <laughs> All right. We're not going to get into that. That's just too wacky for <laughs> anybody's eyes. But the reason I mentioned that is looking at how UFOs were perceived and how they've migrated. So if more of the triangular UFOs are tend to be a more recent phenomenon, we see more of them. How does one explain this migration and the way that UFOs are presented or occur well i think with regard to the increased frequency of reports which you know based on the reports that various organizations and investigators are receiving they, they do appear to be increasing i think just like the ufo subject in general though you know when we talk about areas that have waves or flaps of activity i think you do have 
possibly genuine unidentified objects that were initially reported, but then as it generates media attention, as people become aware of it, then they start thinking that when they see a satellite or a shooting star that maybe they've seen a UFO. I don't think that we can separate that aspect from the triangular UFO mystery, namely that someone sees a documentary, they're talking about triangular UFOs, and then they go out and they see a 747 at a distance, too distant to hear the jet, but they see the landing lights on the object, namely three points of light. And so they attribute that, oh, maybe that's one of those triangular UFOs. So I don't think we can ever rule that out, that there's a lot of noise in the data, so to speak. And we need to kind of sort through that and parse the data to try to find what are legitimate experiences and which ones aren't. As far as the frequency, even if we can remove some of the noise, there there does seem to be a shift in the nature of reporting. Uh, I quote some of the statistics from the National UFO Reporting Center, and the classic flying disc or flying saucer is kind of taking a back seat to these triangular UFO reports. And um, in speaking with MUFON, various chapters of MUFON, Florida, for example, right now, they just uh, informed me last weekend that they have an influx of triangular UFO reports that are occurring. I don't know what is causing that. Uh, Is that a shift in the phenomenon itself? Or is that a shift, getting back to your comment about perceptions, we're just perceiving the reality differently than we did, you know, in the early days uh, when we had the flying disc or flying orbs that were being reported. I I don't know the answer to that, unfortunately. Well, you know, you're suggesting that there may be, and I, I, I just, I'm putting this out as a hypothetical, there may be some sort of conforming to uh, expectation. Uh, The more people are aware of a particular uh, craft shape uh, in the fifties, it would be flying saucers. And, you know, the day the earth stood still, uh, George Adamski and others. And then as, as we see it morphing into, uh, you know, the present day, there's been more of an emphasis after the stealth fighter, uh, the B2, more of an emphasis on the triangular shape and people's consciousness. Maybe it's conforming itself to, to our expectations. Well, and I believe even uh, the late researcher John Keel, I think, even touched on that. It's almost like it's teasing us. It's like just beyond our level of technology in the way that it presents itself. And, you know, we could even go back to the old airship sightings, you know, 1896, 1897. People are reporting these unusual objects. Well, they didn't look that dissimilar from dirigibles of the time, uh, but they were just a little bit different. You know, they had electric lights or they had spotlights. Uh, So it's almost like whatever this phenomenon is, and we almost have to delineate the subjective versus the objective reality. Right. And I'm not quite sure how to do that, gentlemen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, here's here's another question that I have. Do we see a clustering of these reports? Um, Let's say, uh, take North America, for instance. Um, Obviously, in the Belgian wave, uh, some of the English reports, uh, they did tend to cluster. But but here in this country, are they just willy-nilly? They just uh, pop up everywhere, or do we actually see concentrated areas where these reports uh, tend to cluster? Well, it, it, again, with regard to frequency data, as you know, it's so frustrating because, admittedly, you know, we estimate we only probably receive one out of every 10 reports, you know, rep- one report for every 10 sightings that are actually out there. So, admittedly, we're just we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg. But it seems like it's it's pretty generalized as far as the activity. I'm getting emails and uh, phone calls from people all over the country as well as the world reporting these things. Uh, as I mentioned, though, there do appear to be areas, for example, uh, 
uh, James Clarkson up in Washington State, MUFON, he's had a number of triangular UFO reports that that he's been keeping me abreast of, as well as the Florida MUFON group. But it, unfortunately, though, we don't have any formalized, centralized network for reporting. So admittedly, I'm getting these reports kind of on an ad hoc basis. Uh, if we had one centralized reporting center where we could basically channel all the UFO reports to one location, then I think we might be able to gain a better appreciation of the true nature of frequency data and clustering of frequency reports. Well, we're going to have to start calling you triangular report man and uh, <laughs> do a concerted effort to get the word out that if you see one of these triangular UFOs, you know where to call. Please. Yes, please do. Uh, <laughs> but like I said, I, I've had a number of foreign uh uh, individuals uh, contact me from various co- countries, which has been I- extremely exciting because, again, you know, I think sometimes as researchers, we, I think it's just natural. We kind of develop this parochial mindset where we're looking at our state or our country. And it's been very encouraging to hear from uh, readers and, and other individuals uh, from various countries sharing their insights and, and, and their stories. And yeah, that's, uh, a, that's a good point. Uh, it's, 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 it's exciting and interesting to hear that because it goes beyond what a lot of the sociologists will say. Well, this is just a cultural phenomenon. Well, not if it's being reported worldwide and not right. if it transcends decades. I think that that argument kind of uh, disintegrates it, right before our yeah, eyes. It falls far short. How about foreign reports uh, from Asia, for instance, China, parts of uh, India um, in, in the Far East? Um, occasionally, you'll hear about triangular uh, shapes, but it doesn't seem to be a predominant type of uh, description that you hear from the uh, from the Far East, for instance? Well, I, I would say, again, taking more of a general look, that unfortunately, uh, due to language barriers and other things, that really we don't receive a lot of UFO reports in general from these areas relative to, say, the UK, for example, or Canada. And I, I really would like to establish more connections uh, internationally with some of these groups. Uh, researcher Ted Bonnet out in California, he's uh, in the process of writing an article on uh, UFO reports and the shortage of those coming out of China. And I'm sure, given the not only the size of the country, but <laughs> the sheer population, as you can appreciate, they have plenty of eyewitnesses over there. Well, they and also I'm have sure the largest UFO group. There's over a million members. Exactly. Uh, I'm sure they're getting lots of reports. But I, I think... And, and again, I don't know how to go about doing this. It, we really need to work on establishing better international ties uh, with these foreign countries and sharing more information. Uh, we all kind of have our little databases of, of information, but we need to start opening that up. And certainly with the technology now compared to 20, 30 years ago, we have that ability with Skype and with other, you know, with email, with, with webinars and things like that, we can start to open up a, a larger worldwide global dialogue on the subject. We just have to get Google to uh, kind of brush up uh, their translation program because some of the translations coming from uh, China are <laughs> actually kind of comical. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, but I, I think it would be really interesting to, to, to be able to do that or to try to work towards that endeavor with maybe the exception of North Korea. <laughs> Well, the yeah. thing I wonder here when it comes to translation, I know my wife was looking to combine French and English words for the name of a new company that she and her sister are establishing. And we would go on to Google Translate, and some of those translations were a bit funky. And I understand that the Chinese do not like Google. 
they're not very welcome in China, so maybe this is a way of <laughs> getting back at them. Of course, I haven't tried. I haven't tried the Klingon translations yet because I expect they're going to be fascinating. We've got one more segment to spend with our guest David Marler about triangular UFOs and the future. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. Headlines, suspensions, FCC investigations. That's man cow for you. Hear him here. GCN. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and sling bows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. Hi, I'm George Norrie from Coast to Coast AM. I recently learned about a very unusual pharmacist who does not advocate use of prescription drugs, except in rare circumstances, say when powerful antibiotics are needed to kill a potentially lethal infection, such as pneumonia or staph. Instead, pharmacist Ben Fuchs from Boulder, Colorado, suggests always giving the body all the nutrients it needs to survive, thrive, escape illness, and live younger and longer. I don't think you will find anyone who knows more about how the body works and can explain it in such a delightful and entertaining way. Ben has recorded some very useful health nugget minutes that are available 24-7 online at criticalhealthnews.com. I invite you to log on to criticalhealthnews.com, listen to these pharmacist Ben health nuggets, and maybe even interact with Ben via chat or email. You're going to love Pharmacist Ben online at criticalhealthnews.com. Hey, guess what? They've got some great deals for Valentine's Day at guns80.com. They're calling it the Sweetheart Special. Guns80.com has lowered the price way down to 400 bucks up until Valentine's Day. Order your Ghost AR-15 now. Tell your sweetheart that this is the right gift at the right time. Buy one for yourself. Buy one for your sweetheart, too. 
Your sweetheart will thank you for being so tuned into his or her needs. Get a brand new Ghost AR-15 right now for $400. Heck, buy two. His and hers. Go to guns80.com or call and ask for the sweetheart deal. Love is in the air at guns80.com. Call now, 844-2-GUNS-80. That's 844-248-6780. It's a sweetheart of a deal. Actually, it's a steal at 400 bucks. so call guns80.com at 844-2-GUNS-80, but hurry, supplies are limited. Call 844-2-GUNS-80 or get your Ghost AR-15 today at guns80.com on the web. Hey, this is Marie D. Jones, the author of This Book is from the Future, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So let's go back to the cutting edge of this story here, David Marler. With regard to these triangular UFO structured craft, does this mean they got to be ET? It can't be anything else? No, we alluded to the fact earlier in my presentations, I say there's three sides to the triangle. And I think there's three probable explanations for what we're dealing with. One, I think, again, the most prosaic is that this is United States military hardware that we're seeing now, at least some of the the accounts. But again, that doesn't explain the reports back in the 50s, the 60s. And it certainly uh, begs the question, why are we flying these around the globe, uh, you know, over over countries that are supposedly our allies uh, without their knowledge, without their permission? There's certain practical questions that come to play. Uh, but I do believe, based on the exotic nature, based on the flight characteristics, the flight dynamics that have been demonstrated, again, back in the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, as well as today, that we are dealing with some other type of technology. And I won't even begin to speculate where that might derive from. But, you know, the third side of the triangle, I think, realistically, we're dealing with a combination of both. That, yes, we have triangular aircraft, uh, the B-2 stealth bomber, the, the stealth fighter. But certainly, if we know about those, admittedly, you know, they're five or six steps beyond that. If, you know, whatever's being declassified today, they're five or six steps beyond that. It's naive to assume that they don't have technologies in advance of that. So we can't definitively sit here and state that our military does not have aircraft that conform to the description and the flight dynamics that are being performed. But again, I think we have to look at the history, though, that, okay, if we can summarily discount all modern-day triangular UFO reports, how do we account for these back in, in, in earlier decades? Question that we can't answer. Exactly. And that's, yeah. and, and, and that's just it. I mean, I, you know, I tried to put together the historical narrative regarding these triangular UFOs, compare it to the contemporary reports. And at the end of the day, I mean, the reader and the researchers out there have to arrive at their own conclusions. One of the things I state in my book, and, I, and I, I'm afraid there's a lot of researchers out there in the field today that don't conform to this. There is no shame as a UFO researcher when posed a question to answer with the statement, I don't know. There's no shame in that. (laughs) Let me say this is very funny that you raised this. Years ago, I was just a wee lad peering at a UFO investigative group in Atlanta, Georgia. And I gave my presentation, tried to be straight and narrow like you are now. You know, you're not telling us it has to be this explanation or this. We're looking at possibilities we don't know yet. A lot of work has to be done. I try to take that position, a strict scientific evaluation. And boy, they were after me. 
I was really young then, so you know I didn't have all the skills I've developed over 400 years of radio broadcasting. But in those days, they were really went after me. They had to have the answer. I had to be the guy who was going to tell them what UFOs really were. And I think that may be why people want to believe it's ET or anything, because they don't want a mystery that can't be explained. Well, and that's just it. And that's what I tell people in my lectures. There's a reason we call it a mystery, because no one has any definitive answers. <laughs> Ray Stanford thinks should... he does. Well, well I was going to say, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't strive towards yeah. uh, trying to achieve those answers. And, and besides which, Chris, we've had back and forth discussions on this. If Ray Stanford has the answers, you know, it's getting late. Yep. What are those answers? Well, he thinks that pencil-thin grandmother ships 14 miles long are discharging 1,400-foot black triangles that are discharging smaller scout craft, and that these black triangles dock with the uh, grandmother ships. And he's got, he claims, again, uh, I have seen some of the stills from these uh, movies, and it sure looks like these things are docking underneath uh, these grandmother ships and potentially discharging Delta clip delta wing uh, craft and uh, more commonly referred to as flying saucer discoidal type craft uh, or it, it, and possibly hex hexagonal actually uh, poly poly sided uh, craft that are misconstrued as as this and as I said in in, in my initial phone call with you David uh, I, I think you would be absolutely fascinated to be uh, turned on to, uh, to to Ray's work and it may or may not. Uh, give you a little bit of a leg up on on this situation i'm still uh, the jury's out as to um you know if let's say ray's work is is real and his interpretation of these craft and his analysis is correct i'm not fully convinced they're coming from other star systems but uh the amount of visual evidence that he is uh, he is analyzing is very compelling and i would love to get ray out into uh, this neck of the woods at some point and boy you're going to be one of the first people that i let know about that, and we'll try to get some sort of uh, invitation only or even a public meeting uh, so that we can expose some of this information. I think you would find it fascinating. Absolutely. Yeah. Ray, as you mentioned towards the beginning of the show, uh, Ray was one of those that reached out to me after my book was published. Right. And I was ecstatic because I, I have a lot of respect for Ray. If, if for nothing else, his tenacity to continue to pursue this mystery after decades. You know, from when he and his brother were teenagers in the in the mid fifties, the early fifties. <laughs> there aren't many people that have that level of tenacity. I, you no. know, he he and Jacques Vallée are two names that immediately come to mind. You know, two people that you know I hold in pretty high regard as well. I might no. add, but uh, when you think about that, it's literally a lifetime of pursuit and investigation and research. So my hat is off to people like, like Ray and, and Dr. Ballet for just, just the sticking with this as long as they have. And as we all know, you know, it's not necessarily the, the phenomenon and the mystery of the phenomenon that's frustrating. It's, it's some of the people within the, the UFO community that are the most frustrating. <laughs> that's an understatement. Care to drop a few names on us? No, I, I, I'd rather talk about those that I like rather than those I dislike. <laughs> Let me ask you this then, and this goes you back. You missed your calling. You should have been a politician, man. <laughs> Let's go back to this then. There is a site now inactive called ufowatchdog.com that we used to control here at the Paracast before it reverted to its original owner, Royce Myers. And that is, if you look at the list, the Hall of Shame was much, much larger than the Hall of Fame. The 
people who are doing good work. So I hope that you don't have the same opinion, that more people are doing wacky stuff. You know, I haven't actually really sat down to kind of crunch the numbers, but let, let me just say that, uh, you know, there's, there, there's a, a small percentage of people that I hold in very high regard. And, and Chris, certainly you're one of them. And, and I'm not just saying that, you know, to, to kind of, you know, butter you up on the show here, but uh, you really are following the evidence to where it leads, regardless of what that outcome is. And that's what I've been trying to do as well. Right. It, and, again, and it, it doesn't, doesn't make you very popular. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't matter what I personally believe. What matters is where the evidence seems to take us or where the information is leading us that's a good ending okay david marler can you tell our listeners where they can find more of the stuff that you do well i'm actually in the process of developing my website i'm having a meeting later today to get the ball rolling on that so i don't have it up and running yet uh the best place is just to go to amazon.com where they can find uh information on myself as well as uh, a description of the research contained in the book and since we do put up websites in fact we're hosting this site now on a genuine Mac Mini, believe it or not, we have a little expertise in the area. So let me know. You can reach out to me and I'll try to help if I can. Excellent. We also have a presence on Twitter if you're looking for one. On Twitter, we're the Paracast. We are the Paracast on Twitter. I'm also looking into opening a section on Pinterest. Okay. We also have that other special service called The Paracast Plus. Go to plus.theparacast.com, plus.theparacast.com. You can subscribe for $5 a month, $50 a year. Here is what you get. The ad-free version of The Paracast. You asked for it. Higher resolution copy. Okay. You also get the After The Paracast podcast, where Chris and I talk about all sorts of fascinating subjects. And maybe we'll have some special guests on there in the future. We'll be adding more features. Plus.theparacast.com. Chris O'Brien's site is OurStrangePlanet.com. That's OurStrangePlanet.com. I know he's going to be updating it real soon now with more fascinating information. But if you visit there and you buy one of his books, the print edition, we hope, because there's nothing like print. You can get the Kindle versions, too. If you get the print edition, Chris will ship it. But first, he'll sign it. And if you buy his newest book, Stalking the Herd, it'll be numbered. I think he starts in numbers at 3 million, right, Chris? Nope, just one to a thousand. That's it. Okay. So he's running out of copies. That's it. This has just been such a fascinating session. Glad to meet you, David Marler. Thanks for joining us on the Paracast. Thank you. Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.